everybody and welcome to Nutty Buddy Entertainment and on today's episode we break down our first rewatch of the Star Wars universe. We start out with episode one, The Phantom Menace. We do the great, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's coming up right here, right now on Nutty Buddy Entertainment. Welcome back, everybody, to Nutty Buddy Entertainment. And on today's episode, what we are going to do is we are going to do our first rewatch episode of Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, where we're going to review it with the great, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And to do that with me today, I have Chris. He's back. How's it going, Chris? It's going uh, okay. I took a lot of psychic damage from watching this movie for the first time in a long time. I, I think I'm with you a little bit there. Um, <laughs> newly converted Mando fan Travis is with us. How's it going, Travis? It's good. I'm. I actually enjoyed watching it again. So I'm looking forward to you roasting this thing, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to it too, but with all his notes. And then we got Brian. Brian's back. How's it going, man? It's a good, Ryan. Thank you for asking. <laughs> so there's gonna be a whole lot of that. Let me tell you. I've been practicing. <laughs> on, yeah. <laughs> on Brian's last podcast, he teased, um, when he was with me, he teased that we're going to have a contest of, of who can speak like Jar Jar Binks the best. So everybody get your Jar Jar Binks voice ready. We can't disappoint the, <laughs> the what, 40-some fans that listen to the podcast. And exactly. then, uh, yeah, yeah. And for the first time, we got a new friend with us, Spencer. Spencer, how's it going, man? Pretty good. Long time, first time. Unfortunately, since there's only 40 fans, there's only going to be 39. Uh, been a fan for a little bit. Only 39 listening. Been a fan for a little bit. Excited to be here. Excellent. Yeah. So because it's your first time, Spencer, I'm going to ask you a couple rapid fire questions in regards to Star Wars so that like the, the listeners can, you know, kind of get a grip, get grasp a grasp of, of what you like and what you don't like. So let's start off with your favorite Star Wars movie. Uh, my favorite one, as with many of my opinions today, might be contentious, but it's Rogue One. Great mm-hmm. cinematography, good acting, great characters, hilarious, uh, you know, comic relief and gripping story. Excellent. I, that's a good one, though. I like that one. That That's usually that's out of left field for me. What's your what's the one you dislike the most? Um. Out of all the Star Wars, the one I dislike the most, Nine. We already I, would, know it. I would have to say, <laughs> I think it's a tie, although I definitely like episode two, The Clone Wars. It's That's pretty low, and uh, Solo is probably my least favorite of the franchise as far as movies go. Okay, okay. Uh, favorite, favorite Star Wars character? Um, That's tough, and I... I liked him before Mandalorian, and I still think he's cool because I think Taika Waititi played him, which I'm a fan, but uh, IG-88, we know very little about him, but he's just like a robot. We know he's a bounty hunter in the background. That's when we found out about him, and he was great. He's also a very difficult character in a Nintendo 64 Star Wars game. So IG-88 is my favorite. That's another left field answer. (laughs) 
<laughs> if I was like gonna pick one to to guess, I would have never guessed that one. Uh, do you have a favorite Jedi? Um, favorite Jedi. <sighs> That's hard because I like all the periphery characters a lot too. I mean, you know, Obi Wan Kenobi is pretty great. Yeah, he's the classic. Yeah, it's a good one. And part of the reason why we're doing these rewatches is to get prepped up for uh, Obi-Wan, the series that's coming out in May 24th, I believe. Right? Friday? Yeah. Uh, last question. Favorite Sith or villain of the, the Star Wars universe? Hmm. There's only one right answer to this question, by the way. So. <laughs> He's like, what are you talking about? There's only like a handful of Sith anyway. I'm going to say Darth Maul because I think I had the biggest connection to him. He has very little dialogue. It's just you look at him, you're like, this guy's a bad guy. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the right answer. Okay. There we go. So uh, very good. So what we'll do now is we'll get now into our podcast. We'll talk about, again, episode one, Phantom Menace. We're going to get into the great, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But before we do that, we're going to just have our you know, sort of like our opening or general discussion about this movie. So let me start with Brian on this. Brian, uh, when you think of Star Wars, Phantom Menace, what what's what do you think? I mean, like, what's your um, opinion? Um, I, I was young when this came out and I remembering thinking it was all right and then watched it more and more and like, I don't know. And uh, yeah. <laughs> It's it's a weird movie. It's a very weird movie. And coming from like a child's perspective, it's completely different than what I see now as an adult and like have watched other films, especially having the latest three that came out to compare it to, too. Um, yeah, we'll get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get too specific. We'll get. There. Yeah. How about you, Travis? How do you feel about this movie? Uh, I love this movie. I don't really care that much about the pod racing aspect of it, but overall, everything else I really enjoyed about this movie. Plus, it takes me back to my childhood watching this thing and all the video games that were entrenched around this, that were formed from this, from Jedi Power Battles to just the Star Wars Phantom Menace video game for, I think it was PlayStation 1. Maybe it was 2, I can't remember, but a lot of nostalgia around that. Was that the one where Polo Kuhn had like the orange lightsaber? Yeah. Polo yeah. Kuhn. Yeah. What did I say? Polo. Polo. Uh, Polo. Pol like Ralph Lauren. Yeah. My, yeah that's my bad. What, he had the orange lightsaber and that's what made me love him. But apparently that's not canon. He's got a blue one. So. Yeah. That, that's that's weird. And Big I do bummer. I do agree with you in the nostalgia aspect. I was like, you know, I re when I was rewatching this movie, I was like, it's not the greatest movie, but it always will have a special place in my heart because it was who, like... Who among us collected the Pogs? The Pogs. Oh, I did. Yeah. yeah. I definitely had the Lego sets. I could look at many characters and say, oh, I had that Lego set. I had that Lego set. Not the Pogs, though. I, I was the double-edged lightsaber. That's what I That's what I collected. Like oh, I mostly had I mostly had the action figures. I had the action figures of all the main characters. Mm, gotcha. And Chris, while we're at you, your your general thoughts of of this movie? Um, like everyone else, you know, I loved this when I was eight years old when it came out. Um, watch, watching it now, 
for the first time. I don't even remember the last, it's probably been well over 10 years at least since I've watched this. Um, there are scenes in this that I do remember even as a kid, and I, I'm not making this up just to be like, you know, along with the tide of criticism, but there were scenes, even, even though I loved the movie as a kid that I found really like boring and hard to understand. And I don't really like watching it now. I, those scenes aren't any different to me. They're just kind of a lot of truly baffling uh, plot points and scenes in this movie. Um, really bad script. That's my initial takeaway. It's just there's a lot of things that really just make no sense at all. Um, so we'll definitely cover that. We'll tackle it. We'll tackle it. How about you, Spencer? What's your general thoughts of the movie? Um, general thoughts, I really like it. When it came out, I saw it with uh, my dad in the theaters like six times. It was like very, very um, not fundamental, but like formational in my life. <laughs> I remember growing up watching the THX remasters on VHS many, many times of the um, four, five, and six and just loving it. And I don't remember a movie or really anything hyped up like this. I actually looked up, like we're all familiar with hype beast now, lining up for sneakers, lining up for, you know, everything that releases. But at this time, I was kind of doing some research and like the iPod was released in 2001 and there was definitely like, you know, media coverage of people waiting in line for that. And even be, before that, 90, 1995, like Windows 95 coming out, like you could say the computer obsessed waited in line. But I don't remember in as far as I can tell, I'm not sure of any other like social event or media event where really people were so excited that they would sleep outside and wait outside in line with strangers just to be the first one to see it. So the hype surrounding this movie was unlike anything else, I'd which like led to many people hating it initially and many people like me as a child loving it because mm -hmm. it's so exciting. But it's in, I'm excited to hear everyone's opinions as a sober-headed adult when they watch this. Right, yeah, and that's why we all kind of rewatched it as adults, so then we can like get a pers adult's perspective. Uh, Chris, you had something to add? No, I'm just wondering, does anyone remember the, when the trailer came out? Or am I the only one? Vaguely. Yeah, I was, I was like nine or ten when the trailer came <laughs> yeah. out, so... Yeah, I'm just curious because I, I actually should rewatch it because I just have the memory of the trailer like going online. And I think the first image of the trailer is the Gungans um, that shot when they're going out to battle and they're like coming out of the fog. Like that was the very beginning of the trailer. And it was like an unbelievable <laughs> experience. Yeah, I'm just curious if anyone else also had a memory of that. No, I just I just remember you know, obviously going to the movies to see it, but I, I don't remember the trailers. Um, but um, but I think Spencer hit on an interesting point. It's really, this is sort of like when, as far as I know or can tell with all the research that I've done is this is where kind of the Star Wars fan base was like divided. Controversy over this movie. And then it was like the originals versus the prequels. And then now we got sort of the same thing where, you know, some people use the term, no one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans, right? <laughs> like, yeah. But um, mm -hmm. so it's going to be interesting because it seems a little bit like even us five were kind of like split 
like how we we all kind of feel about this movie. So are you guys ready to get into it? The Great. Okay, let's start with The Great. We will see what was great about The Phantom Menace to each of us. So just like normal, guys, we'll we'll hit uh, one. And you might have multiple. I, I'm sure Chris, with all his notes, has like 12 great things about this movie. <laughs> um, but just hit one. We'll discuss it. And then we'll move on to another. And then we'll see who if we got more than one as we, we go around. So how about we start with Travis? Travis, what was one thing you felt was great about The Phantom Menace? Uh, for me, I like the Trade Federation in general, just as a whole. I love all the droids that are in that. My favorite are definitely the droidicas or destroyer droids, however you want to go with that. The first time I saw them as a kid, I'm sure I was like, oh man, like what's going to happen? How are they going to get out of this situation? I always am, I always love them. So though, that's probably my favorite part of this movie is anytime those uh, show up in a scene, basically. So that was okay. it for me. That was great. Okay, and that's awesome. I, I, that's an interesting one. Uh, go ahead, Chris. Counterpoint, Chris. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, this is just in my notes right away. I, I also I like the design of the Droidicas. Um, so I'm not, I'm not. I don't have anything bad to say about that. But there is kind of a, uh, I don't know if continuity thing is the right word, but the difference in this movie and the games with the Droidicas that really bothered me was that in all the bat in all the battlefront games, no matter what game, whatever, whatever platform, when you're using droidicas, you can't shoot through the shields when you have the shields activated. And in this movie, they shoot through the shields the whole time. And that bothers me. Not in the not in the latest game, you can shoot through the shields. Okay, well then they they changed that because it never yeah. used to be the way that I remember. I guess I don't remember it from the original. <laughs> You're talking like uh, the first one on PlayStation 2, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's okay. interesting. Well, I'm glad they changed it. Yeah. 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 That, that's an interesting concept, too, that they wouldn't let you shoot through the shields. So, what would be the point of having them then? Exactly. You know, because it was, it, fool's, it was fool's gold to use them. Yeah. Uh, that's that's true. Hi, Spencer, what, what's a great for you? Um, Kind of a little bit broader is the visual. Um, excitement that the whole movie has. Uh, all of the different planets have such diverse visual language. Um, I was reading that a lot of like the Naboo city was shot in Italy and had like a big focus on beauty, whereas a lot of the older movies were a lot more industrial and we saw kind of what the empire was capable of or super primitive on like Tatooine or something. Yeah. So I thought the focus on beauty in Naboo, especially, and Coruscant, and uh, Otagunga, the underwater city, was really, like, mind-expanding for me. Yeah, so the, the world building, the universe building, actually, is what it is. And, and no, I agree. That that was a pretty cool concept as well. Um, let's see. Brian, you want to give us your first grade? Um, the... Duel of the Fates song and also battle scene. Probably one of the greater <laughs> duels in Star Wars. Um, Jedi going against Sith. Um, both 
really enjoyable. Um, those are, yeah, those scenes from the movies are things that you remember as kids, how just bad A they were, so. Yeah, I'm with you on that. To me, that's the best lightsaber duel of yeah. all trill all of Star Wars. Um, me and my brothers would actually reenact it like outside with our fake lightsabers, you know, so that we did it all the time and we take turns being each character. So that was, that was super cool. I will never forget that. Yeah. Best lightsaber duel of all time. Uh, I'll argue that, right? I'm going with Yoda's against Dooku, but go ahead. <laughs> listen, I'm not going to argue too much with that because to me, like the first time you see Yoda battle and, and then like some people can even argue uh, Mustafar at the same time that Yoda was mm. battling Palpatine, like having that back and forth is like, as far as a great light, I, I would, I would say those are top three in my book. Like uh, I love those fights, but um, yeah, I won't, I'm not, I, I don't feel, I'm not going to, I'm not going to passionately argue against you, Travis on that, because that was, <laughs> I remember seeing that scene in the theater too. And that was amazing as well. But um, Chris, do you have a great for us? Yeah. Um, first, uh, say Duel of the Fates was also my number one great, so great choice, Brian. Uh, John Williams really snapped with that one. And I also had uh, Naboo Architecture written down as good. I also liked the design of the city. Um, there's some real like Italian palaces you can go to, like the big staircase. Um, so that was cool. Um, so my number one great is uh, probably might be a surprising choice. Um, for people that kind of don't like this movie so much. I think the whole watching this now, um, the whole Padres scene is great. Um, and I have a theory about this. If you recall, uh, George Lucas's breakout movie was American Graffiti, which a prominent plot of that movie was drag racing. And I have a secret or suspicion that secretly this is the scene that George Lucas was like most passionate passionate about filming in the whole movie. Um, the, the design of the pods itself, every single one is unique. Um, the design of the pods is great. Each one has its own unique, weird alien species that we've never seen before. Um, and then just the actual filming of itself is really like the most dynamic one of the movie. We're zipping through the canyon, we're going through caves, it's up, down, side to side, the camera's moving quickly. Um, so it's shot really dynamically, really interesting. Um, it's exciting. Um, the only thing I don't like about it is that there's constant cutaways to uh, Shmi and like Qui-Gon like watching it, which is kind of more of a pet peeve of me, mine. Like when we see someone doing something really cool in a movie and then we have to cut to someone like watching it, like to know like how to react, that's kind of annoying to me, but that's a very minor thing. The overall, Padre scene is a two thumbs up. Great. Okay. How, yeah, everybody... I had that in my good. So okay. I'll also enjoy the pod racing scene too. I mean, as a kid, like N64 pod racing game, we've all played it. Awesome game to play, you know? So yeah, that, that was probably yeah, one of my favorite scenes out of the movies too. Um, and I, I know it might not be super appealing like to everyone that pod race scene, but I remember as like a rural American going to destruction derby, top field drag racing, monster truck shows, uh, et cetera. And the roar of the engines and the like 
eye-watering stink of the exhaust is like there's just something so primally exciting about that and i think he captured that really well in the pod race scene hmm. so that's that, that was in my good as well like brian but uh yeah love that okay okay travis you've been quiet but i remember you saying that you didn't care about the pod racing is it the scene or is it just like the whole storyline with it that you didn't care about i just it's too much anakin for me which we'll get into later but okay. I, I don't mind the actual pod racing itself. It's just there's so much involved with Anakin with that point, which is part of the whole main story anyway. So he needs to be in it. But I would rather skip on to like pass that and just get to some action scene or something else besides them just racing. But that's just me. For me, gotcha. it was the best Anakin scene because he didn't have any dialogue yeah. at all. So. <laughs> also, there's like not a lot of action scenes in this movie. So like I said, it's I mean, um, the, we already mentioned it briefly. The, the duel is great, um, but this is like one of two great action scenes in this movie for me because it's still racing. So it still qualifies as action, in my opinion. That's fair. That's fair. Um, we can all see action as different things, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like I you know, people like NASCAR, you know. Like who likes NASCAR really? But anyway, <laughs> moving on, moving on from that. I'm gonna go with my first grade, and I'm I'm glad you guys left it on the table for me. Darth Maul. Great. Everything about him, the mysteriousness behind him, the fact he doesn't talk a whole lot, his double-edged lightsaber, every time he fights, to me, like the best star Wars villain by far. And the only problem I have is they didn't use him more, uh, on, on live action. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he's my mm-hmm. first grade gone too soon. Yeah. Yeah. That's so yeah. I don't, I don't think there's a lot of like super memorable, like shots or like images per se. Um, but one of them is the doors of the hangar opening up. He's there head down, hoodie off. That's a fantastically shot sequence. Yeah. Or when he jumps backwards and he takes that droid and he throws it against the the, the doors and he opens up oh, the yeah. doors yeah. and then he like whips his and then he goes at the guys again. Oh, I love that scene too, man. I'm just telling yeah. you, I'm a big Darth Maul fan. He's, he's awesome. Go ahead, Travis. I, I do like the mysteriousness behind Darth Maul also. And in the movie, it's, it's, interesting when Palpatine's talking to Newt Gunray and what's the, his sidekick? I can't remember what his name is. Vice, no. The, Newt um, Gunray is Viceroy. Um, Rune Hako, but Rune I don't think Hako. it's ever mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So they're talking and then Palpatine's like, I'm sending my apprentice to you. And then they hang up and they're like, oh no, a Sith is coming here. I thought that was great. <laughs> there's two. There's two of him. Two of them. They're getting. This is getting out of hand, isn't that what they said? Yep, yep. Yeah. 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 Okay. This let's, is getting uh, out of hand. Yeah. No, exactly. Two of them. Come on, amp it up. You can do better than that. <laughs> That's about as good as I can do. <laughs> so um, let's now. I'm just going to open it up. Uh, just let any other greats that we got. Uh, go ahead, uh, Spencer. I really like what you guys have been saying about um, Darth Maul. I think my second great is 
I think a little bit funny to say in this movie because it's so notorious for acting, but I think the non uh, human actors are all, all the physical actors and vocal actors are all top notch and a great part of this. Um, I just wrote down a couple, like obviously Newt Gunray, he's kind of like annoying. Some of his dialogue is kind of, um, confusing let's say but he's like iconic he has his own um cadence his own way of speaking he's a definitely like a very specific character you can just hear his voice and like even me imitating it it's like oh no that's not right because he has this voice that's iconic um Watto super iconic voice you know someone we love to hate you know he's kind of a bad guy but you kind of like him because mm-hmm. he's just like swarthy <laughs> Uh, Sebulba's voice could be annoying, could be good. I'm not sure. I thought it was pretty good acting. Obviously, R2-D2 and C-3PO. Um, the pit droids had funny characters. That's so kind of like an animation thing, but they had voices a little bit. And uh, even the battle droid's voice is kind of iconic. So all the vocal acting, with the exclusion of some, I think was top-notch and is a great for this movie. Okay, yeah. Uh, go ahead, Travis. Did you, everybody's watched Whose Line Is It Anyway here? I have, yeah. yeah. Did you yeah. guys know Greg Proops is in this movie? Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that until yeah. I was watching this and I was like, wait a second, I know that voice. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then they the, kind of like, go ahead. Yeah, I see the double head guy that's, yeah. yes. The uh, announcer. They kind of muffled. I thought it was kind of weird. You can't really like, my, I mean, I have old man ears, but I couldn't really understand a word he was saying. I thought it was kind of muffled over the general, like, pod noises, but that could just be me. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't I was going to ask something else and I forgot. So, my bad. That's good podcasting right there. So, uh, any, okay, so any other greats? Uh, go ahead, Yeah. Brian. Um. For me, the most likable character in this was Qui-Gon Jinn. He was the only one who cared, I want to say, especially when he got to the Jedi Temple and, you know, Anakin's the chosen one and everybody's blowing him off. But Qui-Gon's like, no, we need to do this. As well as he seemed to be the um, only one who... I don't know, who was acting mostly like a Jedi. Even, like, Yoda in this was a little well a lot different than what we had from previous movies of him but yeah for me he was really the standout character in this entire series yeah he was on my list too uh really cool jedi that's like one of the biggest what ifs in like star wars universe history is like what if he would have survived the duel of the fates right and he was able to train anakin yeah yeah uh travis yeah i didn't i didn't notice this before it's funny how you watch this as a kid and then as you become an adult or you're still trying to be an adult uh <laughs> you notice more things i didn't notice how stand off stand offish the jedi were to qui-gon when he was like he needs to become a jedi and they're like no he he's not going to be i didn't even realize that till i watched this again so that was interesting to see that they were not on board with this at first with making him a jedi yeah he was too old he was too old had those attachments already. Can't have those. Um, any other greats? I'll go ahead, Chris. 
Um, yeah, just real quickly, uh, two things I liked. Uh, we're we're getting down to like we're desperate for greats here, but I thought I think the uh, <laughs> the fight the design of the Nabu uh, fighter ships is great. The yellow, um, obviously, a lot of people like that since it came back for uh, Mando's mm-hmm. new ship. Um, and then I also like um, I don't know the designation, but the tanks that the droids use with the big uh, gunner coming out the front, like the round one with the gunner coming out front. I like the design of those a lot. Um, but another thing about the duel, um, since I didn't really get into that, I think one of the other best shots of this movie is when right before Qui-Gon dies and they're separated by the uh, oh. power shield or whatever, and he kneels down and meditates and Maul is like pacing back and forth like a, a caged animal. I thought that was just a really cool uh, visual uh, demonstration of the two different philosophies uh, of the Jedi and Sith. Um, so that would be another great on top of the duel for me. Yeah, it's great. Go ahead, Spencer. Um, another great for me, since you guys are mentioning like super specific things that you liked, I really liked, it's kind of a hallmark of Star Wars to put a lot of time, effort, and money into a set design and then show it for like a second and then pan to something else. Like, Classically, it's like the um, the cockpit of uh, the Millennium Falcon. Mm. Like when they originally did it, you'd only see it for like a second and then they'd go on. But it looks so great that it sticks in your mind. So I really like Darth Maul's speeder bike. I think it's sick. And his mm. little probe thing. It's like a black size of a basketball thing that floats around with him that it can do recon with. That's really cool. Um, and I think to go along with also with Darth Maul, I just wrote down, I wanted to say it, that all the greatest Star Wars characters that become iconic, like Boba Fett or something, they have almost no talking, no story. And we just see what's on the screen and it's left to your imagination. So that's why characters like that work. There's not a lot of exposition or anything. Um, yeah, great Phantom Menace. Also for visual, um, this could be contentious too, but boring things like the Senate debate is in this huge tube that's impossibly large and they're on like floating ships as they're they're saying like taxation of trade routes or what annexation (laughs) of trade routes, but they're in this floating ship and everyone's dressed in like regalia and it's, it's just cool. So I think that just goes along with the visual that it, it moves the story along because it's so amazing to look at. Yeah, visually, it's it's a, a really nice movie. I, I would agree 100% with that. Um, it kind of even still holds up today. Go ahead, Travis. Well, I had some other greats that I was thinking of. Of course, it's more stuff that I picked up watching it this time. But can you guys think of all the force powers that were used in this movie? I've come up with six, but there might be more. Uh, I know two of them, which I have issues with, but yeah, Dioxys in Speed Force or Force Speed. Yeah, I know Force two. Jump and Force Speed is that a real is that a real Force power? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those um, there is a Force Pole, which Maul used, which you already talked about with the droid to open the door. Then he does a Force Push on Obi Wan Kenobi, right? Mm-hmm. And then the mind tricks with uh, Qui-Gon, he does that. 
the meditation, which Chris talked about, and then the speed that Brian, you were talking about. I never noticed the speed until this episode, but they use yeah. it to escape the destroyer droids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. about that because uh, All right. Chris, Chris I, wants to jump right in. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to wait to talk about <laughs> that. I'm feeling because, what you're referring to. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. going to talk about that because I got a big issue with that as well. Um, is manipulating the dice also a force power or is that part of force push? I would assume force push. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I was thinking like the foresight too, like the force, like Anakin could see and his ability they they realized he had the force because of his abil- ability to kind of foresee things and as he yeah. reacted on the on pod pod racing and then when he was being tested by the jedi he could see what was uh, behind the tablet there by the way talk about like the future they they had like a apple tablet or something like that for us uh, that that they were <laughs> foreshadowing yeah. that we would receive in the future i'm just joking um go ahead chris I got to be pedantic and point out that 2001 A Space Odyssey had that in 1969. Okay. They, had, they had Apple tablets. <laughs> I'm that's sorry. No, I got to say it. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Any other greats, guys? Are we ready to move on to the good? The good. That's okay. That's good. That's all right. That's okay. Let's go on to the good. I'll. Uh, let's start with... Um, Brian, on this one, what's one good you had? Um, I had Darth Maul in my good. Um, You're just horrible. Him. <laughs> <laughs> I for the sheer fact that he just he didn't have that much dialogue, which is actually a bonus for being in this movie. The less dialogue you can have, the more less mistakes you're going to make, basically. And then he was just he was gone too soon. They should never have killed him off. He should have been that antagonist for Obi-Wan through like all three of these going forward. But yeah, but otherwise I did have Obi-Wan in my good um, seeing his fighting skills, especially when it came for Darth Maul and just seeing how good of a Jedi he is. Um, he was a little whiny in parts, <laughs> especially like when he was calling, like you picked a, I think when he, we saw Jar Jar. He's like, you picked up another like light, useless life form or something like that. And then two with Anakin, just like he did not want him to like come along or anything like that. So it was interesting that he ended up training him, you know. Um, but yeah, I I liked Obi Wan in this kind of his origin story, if you will. So yeah, I felt like Obi Wan in the movie was sort of like they wanted to the kind of give you the picture that he's very by the book. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, like even when the, like you're going against the Jedi, he's too old. You, you, they'll never let you dream yeah. or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So he's like by the book, which kind of sets up sort of the ending where he he um, he kind of like relaxes that by the book mentality to, you know, train Anakin to fulfill his master's wishes. But I think Qui-Gon was trying to work with Obi-Wan on that, like to be a little yeah. bit more, you know, reasonable about things. But, yeah, I would agree with you on Obi-Wan being a, a good um Travis you got a good for us yeah so I enjoyed Qui-Gon well not enjoyed is the wrong word but him dying in the movie it did add like a sense of an emotional factor there that if he didn't die then it would just be like another movie where all the good characters live again basically and it just keeps going so it did add a little bit of like some repercussions to things that were happening you know the jedi temple sent these two 
uh, Jedi to go with the queen the whole time. And only one of them's coming back basically. So I thought that was well done on their part. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. And it also, again, like just opens up that big conversation that star Wars fans can have about like, what if he doesn't die? What if Obi-Wan was the one that died and not Qui-Gon or whatever, you know, and then what would have happened to Anakin? So yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Um, Let's see, Chris, you got a good for us. Yeah, I'll just keep on going with the uh, Obi-Wan topic. Um, I thought this was something I never had picked up on before. Um, I would assume it would be intentional, but I thought there was some kind of, uh, there were some subtle hints that like Obi-Wan wasn't ready to be this kid's mentor. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you remember in the uh, Jedi Council scene, you know, they're like, you can't take on two Padawans. And he's like, well, you know, Obi-Wan's ready to be a Jedi Knight. And uh, I mean, if we if we really want to get like nerdy deep into it, they're supposed to complete the trials mm-hmm. and to like prove that to be true. And Obi-Wan doesn't do that. He just becomes a Jedi Knight because Qui-Gon died and he's assigned to Padawan. Um, and there's, and like, um, you, I forget who mentioned it, but Qui-Gon is kind of still mentoring him on like a trust the force, like go with the flow sort of thing instead of just always being like, this is how it's got to be. So like he still had things to learn from Qui-Gon about just like chilling out, trust the process. Um, so I thought that was kind of a more subtle, interesting arc that I hadn't picked up on before. So I'd say that's a good for me. Yeah. You know, when you talk about him not having to do the trials, I wonder because he killed a Sith where they like, oh, you, you know. know, like why would he have to do the trials mm-hmm. if he's able to kill the Sith? He's good enough to be a Jedi Knight. You know what I'm saying? I was, that's, that's yeah. sort of like a head cannon for me. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. The, the other thing that's kind of interesting about that too, is that like, they never mention it ever again. Um, maybe it's supplemental materials, but like he kind of like goes on the attack mode and he like really draws on his rage. <laughs> you know, he sees his mentor get killed and he just like wails on Darth Maul. And I guess that would be kind of like a dark side dealio. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But they kind of just are like, let's not think about that at all. <laughs> well, he almost I died. Did. He almost died yeah. doing that. Yeah. Good, Brian. True. That's a good point. Oh, no. Yeah. I thought that was interesting too, where he, he almost did. It seemed like he tar- taps into the dark side to get that vengeance um, for Qui-Gon. And uh, yeah, that's a big no-no, but yeah, we're just going to skip over that. (laughs) Well, no one was there to witness it either. Like Yoda wasn't watching them being like, Hey, (laughs) settle down there champ. You can't be mad. You know, Um, Spencer, you got a good for us. Um, You guys had mentioned before the music, but I think in general, the whole sound design of the movie is really good. Um, I actually listened to part of a, uh, commentary from George Lucas and he says which is very pretentious but I appreciate his perspective on it and I quote the films are actually composed along the lines of music which is that there are many themes going on through the film and the themes are repeated he he says visual jazz and I'm doing air quotes for that they take the same concept and reinterpret it visually so if you notice throughout the entire movie there's like constant big orchestration the only time there isn't it's like to add dramatic tension it's like when the first robot releases his you know little claws when he's rolled up there's like a little bit of pause in the music and you're like whoa what's happening so obviously uh 
Duel of the Fates, incredible song. Everybody loves it. Super iconic, bombastic, over the top. But also uh, the droid invasion. It's just like so great. Like all the music in the movie. It might be the best Star Wars music in any Star Wars film. And in addition to that, as has been said, you guys mentioned the pod race like just the sound of the engines is so incredible and like everyone is so loud and so different and yeah lightsabers crash in you know classics all the blasters have a sound all the you know every ship has its own distinct sound i just love the sound of star wars so much so that's a good yeah that's that's really good thanks for pointing that out yeah uh not something i personally noticed so i'm glad that like when people point stuff out like it's funny because like doing these podcasts that's what i've noticed is like different people love different things about movies and like chris and brian and i and travis you know so it's kind of nice when other people point things out that you just haven't thought of go ahead brian is this the only star wars movie that doesn't have a cantina scene oh good i dare say there's a casita scene but it's not a cantina scene but like when sebulba is chilling with his homies and then that, that does Jar-Jar, no like, i mean like inside like jazz band like playing <laughs> is there one in episode three that's what i'm trying to remember i know there's one in episode two but yeah. episode three is the only one i'm not sure of but yeah i appreciate it that i didn't have that so okay that's a good we got we got too many <laughs> of them in seven eight and nine so <laughs> Not a cantina fan. I don't think they had a lot of time for bar shenanigans in episode three. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and go my first good. I'm gonna go um, the continuity um, that it stayed within the Star Wars story that it it lined up to like so it's starting out where Palpatine how he gained power right, and I appreciate that. Uh, one thing I do not like about the sequels it kind of spits a little bit on the continuity and, and, you know, takes things, um, you know, different directions and introduces things that you were never in the first three. And then it, you know, that's what part of the reason why I, I don't like the sequels particularly. So like, I do appreciate that this is like a continuity that it, it starts us off where we see how, uh, Senator Palpatine becomes Senator Palpatine and he just kind of grows from there and that he's kind of working on both sides and we see him behind the scenes doing that. So I actually like appreciate that. And that's part of the good I had. So yeah. there you have it. <laughs> Any other good? Go ahead, uh, Spencer. Um, another really like broad generalization, but I really like the positive uh, nature of the whole movie uh, much of the movie although it takes like place in war it's very bright lots of slapstick overall pretty positive pretty positive worldview and bright futures over over overall yeah. and sometimes too like too far like too slapstick too much but in general because i watched um clone wars and um, Revenge of the Sith kind of within two days and they're so dark and dreary and moody whereas this one it's like overwhelmingly positive it's like a PG movie for the family where somebody gets cut in half 
See his arms. No blood. Friendly. No blood, though. No blood. No blood. No, but it. But like I really like that. <laughs> As I like that. Down. That As is the one positive kids, thing positive. about lightsabers. It cauterizes it right away. You don't got the blood. Yeah. You don't got the Third gore. Mess, though. Yeah. Yeah. You notice that. Yeah, no, I, no. I feel like what's nice about like this movie and then the other ones is like it kind of captures this tone of the theme, right? Like this is kind of supposed to be like a, a positive time for the Jedi. They find the chosen one. Now it's positive. And then it gets kind of I think it gets darker on purpose because we kind of like Anakin gets darker. You know what I'm saying? Like the mood gets darker. So the the second one leads to the Clone Wars, which is a dark time in the galaxy. And then go to revenge of the sip with ultimately where the jedi order fawns and stuff so i think like you're not you're right the the mood the the lightness of it captures the mood of the galaxy at that time and then i think the the movies all do that as as they uh, go on yeah and it was pre not i mean i don't know how much this plays into it but it was like a pre 9-11 world pre 9-11 united states so i think that may have had Good. there was a lot of positive no you're right yeah. Whereas Definitely. other, my other point is that the counterpoint to that is like, what is the number two blockbuster that came out this year was The Matrix, mm. and that's like dystopian, dark, gritty, like isolating. And George Lucas's view of the future is positive and full of life. You know, there's bad guys all over and mean guys, but it's o- overwhelmingly full of light. Okay. Yeah. That's another good. Okay, do we got any other goods, guys, before we... Uh, Travis? Uh, just story-related. I enjoyed the uh, reveal that... What? I said Gungans. No. no I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, George Lucas calls them Gungas in the behind the scenes, so who even knows? Yeah, right. Um, I enjoyed the reveal of Padme actually being in disguise. Mm-hmm. And coming forward and being like, actually, I'm the queen, and this is just my uh, counterpart that puts her life on the line for me. So I enjoyed that. It was kind of like a little twist that you may or may not have seen coming. Yeah, that's a good one. Go ahead, uh, Chris. Yeah, um, I actually have that. I have that as not necessarily good. I have that as nice. I actually have always liked that whole scene um, with the uh, humans kneeling before the Gungans. And like humbling themselves, you know, the technologically advanced race humbling themselves before, you know, the planet's natives. I always thought that was nice. Good on them. Yeah, yeah. So we'll say that that's nice. Um, another quick one, um, just when we're talking about the look of the film, um, this is the only one of the three pre- prequels that was actually shot on 35 millimeter film. And they kind of like how they did with the sequels, it was filmed. Uh, I mean, it was at studios, but it was also on location too. And I think that's part of the reason the movie looks a lot better than episodes two or three where like everything was on a blue screen and like made on a computer. Um, So it just does have like, like Spencer said, a warmer, brighter look to it because it was shot on film. So I'd say that's a good, in the good category as well. Yeah, I'd expect you to say something like that. Go ahead, Travis. Chris, do you what do you think of the CGI in this movie? Because I actually thought it was pretty good, besides like two scenes. So mm-hmm. the one where Anakin or uh, Anakin, when Qui Gon is running away from like 
the trade federation when they first land on Naboo. That one's mm-hmm. kind of bad. Yeah, and I, I noticed like, that as well. Yeah, the, like some stuff with the Gungans is kind of bad, but other than that, I thought everything else was pretty good for its time. I was curious what you thought because you're yeah. more of like a. Mm-hmm. No, I I agree. I thought that same thing too. It's pretty rough when he's like running through the forest, uh, but for the most part, like Boss Nass, there's a couple scenes where he's like standing right next to a human, and it looks pretty bad but for the most part i think it's fine i don't i prefer as you know i prefer models and the miniatures of the original series but as far as 1999 cgi i don't have any complaints overall all the pod racing looks really good um so yeah okay i'll get into it in one of my bads but that's part of it okay but overall i think this was a golden age of cgi and anything was possible and they maybe even went too far <laughs> trying fair. to make anything possible. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. fair. Did you guys know that Kira Knightley played the decoy to Yeah, we'll, we'll get that was that. wild. I just learned that like t- <laughs> two days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh. any other good? Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, sorry. Just real, real quick hitters. Um, I thought Liam Neeson was good. Uh, I don't think the acting in this movie is particularly good overall and that has a lot to do with george lucas not famous famously that's just just not me saying that that's just generally known that he's not good at like directing uh actor performances going all the way back to the original star wars but i thought liam neeson was good for what he was asked to do and then also shout out to brian blessed as boss nass um having absolutely horrible Gungan dialogue and he's a Shakespeare, he's a Shakespearean pro and he uh, comes out with his dignity intact doing a voiceover. So good for Brian Blessed as well. Excellent. Yeah. I, you know, it's hard to blame the actor. I just, you know, we'll get into it, yeah. but like, it's hard to blame the actors for the the movie that they were, they were given. We'll, we'll get into it, but. Um, and I tr- truly think some of the, the acting is so good, but obviously the dialogue is really stupid, but like, it's like Chris said, like boss mask, you know, great acting, terrible <laughs> writing, but great acting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other good guys? Any other good that we have on this movie? Okay. Go ahead. Want to get into the bad Ryan. Come uh, on. Well, Chris is the one that's stalling <laughs> here. No, I have something that's like in theory that's bad, but maybe it's like good as in it's fun to do, if that makes sense. And I'm going to say the offensive accents that they use for all the aliens. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think people just get too sensitive about that stuff. Let's just, you know, like it's just yeah, a movie. Well, they're, they're fake characters. Who cares? Yeah. Like, whatever. Well, the, the trade Federation, when watching it, it was, it was more egregious than I even remembered with the trade well, Federation I... Chinese <laughs> accents. It was not over that at all. And I'm pretty sensitive to that. I didn't read that with the trade Federation. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> agree to disagree. Wado is they went um... up the ventilation shaft. I don't, I don't yeah. know. That just seems alien to me. Watto is a Middle Eastern <laughs> slash Jewish stereotype. It is what it is. I'm not the only one that says that. It's just known. Um, on, but it's, that, fun to, it's fun to do. We're going to talk about that later. Hey, okay. it was di- Chris, it was diverse. So let's. Yeah, let's yeah. It, was pre, it was pre 9-11. Okay. Yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. 
Can't have it both ways, okay? You can't be choosy. Either you want it or you don't. Okay, you guys ready to get into some bad, or do we got one yeah. another good? Okay, let's get into the, the yep. bad. The bad. Hey, Travis, you were so excited. No, Brian, Brian, you really wanted to get into the bad. So why don't you hit us up with one bad here? Okay. Um. What? <laughs> Let, I guess let's start with the um, so dioxys. So when they are <laughs> in the waiting for the Trade Federation, they get gassed and all of a sudden he just says dioxys and they hold their breath the entire time through an entire fight scene. And I don't know if this is a force capability or some sort of meditation training, but that also goes in line of their on the ship and they use speed force to run away. Now I know we've had like force pull or push kind of like, you know, bringing lightsabers to you, but there's been no context of any other like force abilities or anything like that. And just like throwing that in, especially when I was younger, I did not realize they use force speed at all. I didn't realize that until I just watched it the other day. And yeah, I was just like, they just ran really fast. What's going on here? So, yeah, I don't know. Some of the stuff that they were throwing in like that, it didn't really, I don't know. You didn't have much context around what they were doing with it. You know, I, I feel like it would have been better having them start off, you know, in a Jedi temple training or something, showing us that, you know, there are more abilities or something like that. Especially this is the, you know, golden age of the Jedi. So why didn't we see more of that, you know, in this world? Well, right. And I, I think with the four speed, which I had, I had like uh, three things um, that we'll talk about all three of them, but that I would say didn't age well in Star Wars, like things that this movie did. So four mm -hmm. speed is one of them because it doesn't age well in its own movie. So you, yeah. you have four speed, you introduce this mo new force ability, which is sort of cool, right? Like, you know, because all we only have the original trilogies technically at this point to go on, but then like that, that duel, the fates fight, Obi-Wan's trying to catch up to Darth Maul and Qui-Gon. Yes. And like not once does he use it. And I'm just like, what's yeah. going on there? Like, why don't you use force feed? And then after that, we never mm -hmm. see it again. So that mm -hmm. would be like one of those things where it's like plot convenience. And I don't like that. Don't ever like use powers for plot <laughs> convenience because it's super mm -hmm. annoying. You guys yeah. know how I feel about that. But like mm -hmm. you got to if, if you're going to uh, establish it in your universe, then you got to use it. Uh, go ahead, Travis. And in every Star Wars video game you play, there is a stamina wheel for when you use force. And Obi-Wan used his stamina with his force jump to catch back up so he couldn't use force speed. I didn't have an issue with force speed. I, I, I'm sure that. George Lucas was thinking of the video games when he wrote that scene. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> well, Travis, he's trying to run to catch up to this fight this entire time. And because he didn't catch up, his master died. It's just like, OK, so you had this ability to start the movie out with, but now yeah, it disappeared. Maybe yeah. uh, Obi-Wan wanted Qui-Gon to die. So it was an easier path for him to become a Jedi knight. Oh. Maybe he's the real villain in this movie. That's a good point, Travis. That's a good point. <laughs> Okay, yeah, four speed. That was on my radar too, uh, Brian. So thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, um, I don't. I, I never even thought about them hold. I just thought they hold their breath long enough. I don't know how how long was that scene? Like two minutes. People can yeah. hold their breath like 
underwater for go ahead go yeah. ahead chris in the uh in the famous red letter media review of this movie he has a real problem with this scene and he's like why did they open the door after like two minutes just keep the door shut for like four hours and let him suffocate to death and then go in and <laughs> take care of him <laughs> that's a great point chris yeah that's another great point uh spencer yeah my wife uh saw this with fresh eyes i think she's seen the movie maybe twice so they i just heard that scene and they're like dioxygen i'm like what a how horrible of a name we're in this distant world and that's all you can think of but so they open the door and they come out and we realize oh they're using force hold your breath or johnny weissmuller the guy who played tarzan could hold his breath for two minutes like like you said like olympic swimmers okay later on they're on they're going to otagonga and they Thank put on you. their little respirators. Yes. Yeah. And my wife with her, you know, innocent <laughs> eyes, no context of Star Wars is like, if they had to hold their, or if they could hold their breath, why are they now using a respirator? And I want to say because they swam for 10 minutes, but, but it seems a little, if they had oh, those in yeah. their pocket the whole time, why didn't they just pull them out and just chill out in there? Yeah. Uh, 100%. I got what saying. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but if it's if it's a respirator, you can't like you can't use that to clear out like toxins from this poison. I'm not that's really true. trying to argue. I'm not saying like if you wore scuba gear, that's going to protect you from poison, basically. But that's how I compare the two. So I don't I don't think that's what those are specifically for. They're little masks, but. You're to just your not credit. supposed to think about them holding their breath, you guys. Don't worry well, to about your it. credit, in the commentary of that movie, they're talking about why in this pod race were all these machines, why would the power coupling split and the engines break up? That's what some people, when they were test screening it, said. And, and I quote from George Lucas, the more you see it, the more it makes sense because there's a logic to the science of it. It's like the more you see it and you think about it, it's like, okay, but they don't really explain everything. But I think, you know, that is a problem because there are certain things where it's like, I don't want to think about this stupid part of the movie for <laughs> 45 minutes, 23 years later. Correct. Correct. <laughs> That's a good point. Okay. Uh, let's go with Chris. Give us a bad that you had. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I always do this. So I always circle back. I forgot to mention one one other real quick good that i thought just another as you know i like my good shots i thought the shot of um when the the droids are coming into naboo and there's a shot of the queen at the window and like the red dress looking forlorn i thought that was a really well-framed shot so that's good um with my bads i'm going to kind of just like take my turn and go through these and like kind of order of writing uh, down yeah, yeah. so if, if you're going to do that, I'll let it. But if somebody has a point, you just look for, you know, them acknowledging that they have a point to add on to your point, okay? Yeah, no, so, I'll, I'll do one and then I'll shut okay. up until it comes back around to me. Um, oh, so okay, my first, I got you, I got you. My first one is um, when they're escaping Naboo on the Queen Starfighter and they're flying up to the blockade First of all, I have a problem with blockades in space because it's an infinite, it's a infinite, uh, you know, we're not on a straight line. If the blockade is right here, why don't we just fly this way and go around it? <laughs> There's digress. a blockade on the beaches of Normandy because they have turrets. <laughs> okay. But they're flying at the, uh, the droid ship and they're shooting at them. 
and they get hit and the shields get destroyed. And then R2 and the other droids come back up and fix it. And then they get shields back at full power. But if why were the shields were were the shields not on in the first place? If they had they would have shields at maximum power facing toward the droid ship, how did a laser bolt blast through the shields and hit the hit the thing and knock out the shields? You know what I'm trying to say? That makes no sense. It's kind of like when in when the Millennium Falcon is in all the fights, it's like, oh, shields are shields aren't gonna take one or two more shots. They don't have any dialogue like that. I think the whole shield Chris. thing is preposterous. Uh I, I think what's going on there is they're further away from the ship. When it gets hit, I think they're using their main cannons. But when they're getting closer to the ship coming in, they can't use those main cannons anymore. It's more of the firing power that's coming off of the ship. But that's what yeah, I. Yeah, but I'm saying the, the shields of the the shields of the Naboo ship should be on, and they shoot through the shields and knock out the shields, and then they're like, "We're sitting ducks." You probably haven't thought about it long enough is what I'm thinking. I'm sure there's yeah. some logic to it. I, I just think like with any well, want- with any type of shields, like um typically there's so much like um um power or lasers or whatever that it takes before it starts to break down. Isn't that like a thing in sci-fi? Like I, that steals I wanna say so. Yeah. Shields don't just stay up forever, like you can eventually wear them down where they break. Is that is that a thing? I feel like that's a thing. Go ahead, Travis. So from what I'm remembering from the scene, when the droids go out there, so the cover to whatever they're repairing, the shields gets blown mm-hmm. off, which you said. And then mm-hmm. if I remember, R2 grabs like this part of it. So yeah. maybe this is just a theory, but maybe that was like part of the shield that needed to be connected in order to give them their shields in the front again. It's pretty lame if that's it, Chris, so I get it. But yeah. I think that's what all it was, really. Maybe so. shields are like a Kevlar situation and not like a, yeah. a thick bulletproof Maybe. glass situation. Yeah. yeah. And then and then once the scene is over with, they take R2-D2 and like, thank you, R2-D2, for your service. <laughs> a little far-fetched. That's a little bit of a stretch to just be like, we all love R2-D2, right? Let's get R2-D2 in this movie. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Does he get a medal at the end of New Hope? No, Mm-mm. no, he's just there. Okay. Yeah. And then the Queen makes, or the decoy makes Padme go and clean up R two D two, which is kind of funny. But that's that's number one. That's on my list of plot weird things. So okay. I'll I'll wait till the next one. Okay, Travis, you got a bad okay. for us. So this is only bad. It's not ugly, but. Do you, maybe you guys already know this, but do you know how many kids tried out for to be Anakin Skywalker? What the number 10, was? How 10, many? I, I used to know this number. It's a lot. What'd you say, Spencer? 5,000? I it's thought three, five. 3,000 kids that this actor had to beat out, and apparently he was the best. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. He's he's okay in some points, which we've talked about, Here, but for most yeah. of it, it's he's not good. Yeah, no. I I have him in my bat as well, but the main thing is I don't blame him necessarily because 
mm-hmm. he's a child actor and he can only go off of what he's given. And if he's given mm-hmm. very little, it puts him in such a a bad spot. So I'm going to more push that on to George Lucas. Yeah. You know, the kid that leading into it, like he's too young. He's mm-hmm. too young yeah. for this role. You know, yeah. Anakin should have been at least four years older than what he was in this. Amen. It just felt like there he was like a man in a kid's body at some points, but then he was still a kid. It was so weird. <laughs> Do we know what what was his age when he was? Do we know? I don't nine. know. Actor's age is nine. Nine. Yeah. Nine. I think they yeah. wanted Anakin to be nine too, right? Like, I'm assuming I would have thought he was nine ten at most. Yeah. He should have been at least a teenager. Yeah. You're right. 13, Brian. 14. Yeah. 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 Did you guys see him hitting on the queen? <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird owl shot. By the way. Yeah. Uh, uh, Spencer. Now that is a great song. Yes. Episode one. <laughs> bye. Bye. Miss. Whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So my, I have a little bit more vague, you know, bad. And as, as was mentioned, you know, the acting and I think to a greater extent, the dialogue, the writing of the script was bad. Um, my number one quote from the commentary, because I just want to see why someone would put through so much. And as Chris said, you know, he's known to not be that good of a director. And it sounds like so much is cerebral that it, he like can't put it into reality. And uh yeah, but that's an ugly later. But one of his quotes is, the films are designed to be primarily like silent films and the dialogue and the effects and everything are just part of the musical composition to tell the story visually rather than through a lot of heavy dialogue. So that's his quote and that's his direction in his mind. I am going to make a musical visual thing and we don't rely on dialogue however the dialogue is very dense very heavy not natural i don't think there was much of any um ad libs i think they really stuck to the script probably and it was really dense to to what you guys are saying to the credit i'm i'm shocked that this kid was chosen however another quote when they're talking about the dining room scene where they're all together and like Jar Jar grabs a fruit mm-hmm. with his tongue and Qui-Gon, you know, snaps it with his fingers. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's a big exposition scene. And George Lucas said that that dining room scene was 10 minutes long, one continuous 10 minute shot. And he said it was very difficult to complete for a 10 year old actor. Uh, yeah, I bet it was very difficult for a 10 year old actor. So he's so, putting actors in a situation where they can't win. In addition yeah. to that, much of the film, some of it's on location, but much of the film, unlike other films of the time, was done on blue screen in complete alienation from any set. Maybe there's like one piece of the set if you see the background images. And a lot of times people are talking to like a tennis ball or something. They're not you know, engaging with a real character. So all these things, it's like director doesn't know how to direct. Script is really dense. The director can't really put a beautiful vision on to the physical world. And the actors are in like an extremely difficult situation of acting in this alienated world. I think that all led to like 
pretty bad acting on most of the humans part. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But Chris. Spencer, can I share with you my favorite type of absolute gibberish dialogue in the yes. movie? Padme to Anakin as they're flying to Coruscant. The famous I'm cold scene. Mm-hmm. I made you a snippet of Jepper Wood. Padme, many things will change when we reach the capital, but my caring for you will remain. <laughs> Great stuff, George. <laughs> uh, it's just like all the dialogue. I mean, we'll get into it a little bit with the ugly, but I thought every every conversation with Anakin and Padme was just like, oh, I don't think like 19, 9 and 14 year olds talk like that. Like just, it, yeah. it was just too too outlandish for me to, to really- uh, you know, buy into it, if, it, if that makes sense. Like to, to be invested in what they were saying. Um, but there's no on-screen chemistry as well. So even I don't think they believed. Well, what chemistry yeah. would a nine-year-old well, yeah, you have can't, with a fourteen-year-old? Yeah. I mean, a nine-year-old on. could have a crush. I mean, that's been depicted in you know funny right. movies before, but this was true. But no, yeah, this is this is not Sandlot. You know, I've thought of the same thing, Brian. Yeah, yeah, I've thought of the same thing, Brian. But no, I yeah, I feel really bad for the especially everybody wanted to be in this movie. It's a reboot of star Wars. Like Liam Neeson literally did not read the script and he was just like, I want to be in the movie. I'll take whatever part. And you should have read the script, bro, because very hard, very just like dense material to get through. And then everything's this blue screen. So there is some stuff that shot on location, but most of it, you're just kind of winging it not knowing exactly where to go and whatever but then so for that that diner um or the dinner seating uh scene i actually thought he did a because do we know like jar jar obviously was all cgi but did they have someone sitting in for him they did okay if you look at pictures of filming ahmad best is basically wearing a jar jar outfit and then he's got a jar jar head on top of his own head so they know like where to look at his eyes okay that's good because i was i was worried that they weren't going to have something like that and yeah he did it actually that scene i was like okay he's not that bad just because the way that he's kind of interacting with jar jar sitting next to him is actually believable so yeah, it didn't hurt Liam Neeson's career though. Like, too bad, right? That, no, <laughs> yeah, good, good. But well, it's kind of good they died. So yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Okay, um, did I get everybody's first bad? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so I'll I'll just go on with another thing that didn't age well, which I think is bad, but is sort of again just like the Star Wars as a whole, the high ground, right? Uh, in episode three, Obi-Wan's like, Anakin, I got the high ground. And then Anakin foolishly tries to jump over him and he cuts him in, you know, all his limbs off. Well, here we have Darth Maul having the high ground. And somehow, I don't know why, it's probably the worst part of the duel, the fate scene to me is like, he was so shocked that Obi-Wan was able to jump (laughs) over his head and get this lightsaber that he had no, like, he could not respond to it. And I didn't understand that. I was like, if, if you're going to yeah. kill that cool of a guy off, you got to do it way better than that. So yeah. that to me, not only with like the, the didn't age well with Star Wars, but also the, the end of that fight scene was not good to me. Like, so that's part of my bad. 
I really wish Darth Maul would have said, hey, Obi, I got the high ground right before. <laughs> yeah, that seemed anticlimactic to me, even as a very what, young child. Does anybody know the name of Obi-Wan's fighting style? It's like a defensive fighting style. Hmm. The I, I was reading something. And it's like part of the reason with the high ground is because his art of like saber fighting is more of defense. So when he has the high ground, you know, it's pretty hard to beat him. So I don't know if... Darth Maul, I don't know what kind of fighting style you've had, but it was pretty aggressive. So maybe that's why they I, I don't know. These these movies don't make sense. So. Right. Right. So it could have been aggressive, like you said. But yeah. why? like when he jumped over his head and landed, why couldn't he respond? You know, like he didn't even respond to anything that Obi-Wan. No. He yeah. Just, like, turned around like, oh, you're there. And then just got chopped in half. I would yeah. also argue like we saw him use force push. Right. Like as obi-wan's jumping did you not think like hey i could just push him back down like yeah you know his bar's low man (laughs) i guess he was he was it was it was a it was a great jump he was he was in complete shock yeah okay uh let's just see uh any other bad Uh, Um, spencer oh sorry no go ahead spence i think large concepts were in, intentionally cryptic in the star wars universe like the force it's like oh it's this mystery people are like oh that old religion or some wizard does that that's not that's not even real and it kind of made it cool in this i think some things were cryptic but another thing from the uh, commentary was he added in metachlorians on purpose to show an explanation why some Jedi are stronger in the force than others. And I think that was like a big whiff. Like we don't need to know why. Some people are just more sensitive. Anyone knows that. You don't have to think, oh, one, what physically makes him stronger? And I think that's an, one of you guys, I think Ryan always mentions head cannon as like a negative thing. Like I think Lucas has the biggest head cannon of all time like he knows all of the star wars universe and he only releases a little bit but i think maybe he released too much and he took <laughs> maybe our imagination away and it negates a lot yeah. of things in the past so i think the metachlorian was definitely a bad yeah i have that in my ugly not quite I, in my I have bad, that ugly so. as well. yeah now i'm, I'm gonna I actually don't mind it, honestly. Like, <laughs> what? I, yeah, I don't. I don't. Because it kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, you know, mutant powers, right? Like, they, they just explain where it comes from. So I don't mind it because it gives me more, like, understanding. Now, if, if your argument is, do we need it? I would agree with that. We really didn't need it. I would agree. But I don't mind it, personally, that it was explained why some people are able to use the Force, why others can't, because you need a certain amount of chlorine count to do it, and why some are stronger in the Force than the others. Otherwise, uh, we would be like, oh, maybe it's training, right? So like, but then why did Anakin have, why was he stronger with less training than all these other ones? You you know, not that I needed that answer necessarily, but I don't mind it personally. And I I guess I'll be the contrarian on that, but I I actually don't mind it. So... Immaculate conception through midichlorians <laughs> building up big enough that he doesn't have a father. You're okay Where with baby that? Where did Jedi come from? <laughs> <laughs> is, um, is, uh, I thought that, like, isn't it canon that Plagueis technically, like, yeah. made him? 
That's yeah, I don't think idea. George had that in mind when he wrote was at this stage, though. I think yeah. that's a that's a post. You, I think you enough people were probably like, "Now wait a darn minute here." You don't think so, but like you said, he reviews like wait a little a bit minute. at a time. Well, yeah, yeah. Here's my thing: if his if his midi midichlorian count is so high, you know, so high that he doesn't have a father, you know, it's off the charts. Why does he need to get trained by the Jedi? You know, what's the point of that? If he's already the most powerful one there, I think you should be able to figure out without, you know, help from them. Because he's already higher than Master Yoda. Yoda. Okay, so I mean, it's like, why does Superman need parents or something? You know, they got to channel his energy for good. Yeah, that's my... Superman's parents established in him a system uh, or the moral character of justice and fairness. They didn't like teach him how to be Superman. That was just innate. I look well, at- it's the, you know, George Lucas goes by the Asian martial arts law of discipline. <laughs> yeah. I think he's heavily influenced by that. So you could say. Yeah, but like. Let's go with, with that. Yeah, but with, with the force, I look at it as a power on itself. So you have to learn to tap into it. So you can be powerful or, or mm-hmm. you know, have, have the ability to be more powerful using it, but you still have to learn how to use it. you got to learn how to tap into that power for a variety of reasons. But he he like, was tapping into it on Tatooine. He didn't know he was tapping into it, mm-hmm. but he was fully using it. Right, mm-hmm. right. So it's like... Um, I try to like explain it like a, you know, you know, a sports athlete, right? Like somebody can jump high. They, they know how to jump, but how do you dunk a basketball? Right. You have to learn how to dunk a basketball. You have to learn to be one of the greatest dunkers. So you have that ability, but you got to learn how to hone that in. Um, Or, or just like a basketball player in general, so to speak, like you can be an athletic person, but does it make you a good basketball player? Like one of the better basketball players right now is Luka Doncic, right? Like, Mm. Not, I don't know if you know who he is, but he's basically like, you know, a 240 pound white guy who, who can hardly jump. He's not very athletic, but he's six, nine, but he's amazing is because he knows how to play the game. Like he, yeah. and that's so like, he's like, to me, he's sort of like, if I had to compare him, he's like the Obi-Wan where he's not like super powerful at anything. He's just good at everything. You know what I'm saying? And so to me, I feel like what, what has, gone wrong with the Disney Star Wars is they start to treat the force like a mutant power. Like it's something that they are able to do and it's something special to them. And they just use it. Like when Ray shoots lightning out of her hands, no one showed her how to shoot lightning. Like you have to learn how to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to learn how to tap into that. Uh, You know, the same with like this force healing stuff, which we will talk about by the way. But so that that's how I view the force. It's a power that you have to learn to tap into. And no matter how strong you are in it, you have to learn how to use it and be taught. Otherwise, it's it's useless to have that power. So that's kind of how I view it. Uh, go ahead, uh, Chris. Master, I've been wondering, what are metachlorians? <laughs> okay. That's all. Okay. That's 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 there's always a bigger movie. fish. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay, Are anything- you an angel? <laughs> <laughs> Most iconic line ever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any uh let's see. Any other bad? Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I'll go into my uh second uh baffling uh plot choices here. Um starting the whole uh Tatooine scene is really just does not hold up 
at all. Um, number one, they're trying to go undercover in the city and find these parts. Why does Jar Jar go along with them when he's clearly established that he's a clumsy doofus and he's going to cause problems and he sticks out like a sore thumb? Why doesn't he stay on the ship? Comedic Many, relief. Comic yeah, relief. Comedic relief. Okay. Comedic um, relief. Secondly, why don't they accept Republic credits? Why, do, why does Yato say, Wado say that Republic credits are no good here? It's established that Tatooine is run by the Huts, which is an intergalactic criminal syndicate. And also it's a major commercial and uh, interstellar like transportation stopover point. Um, so I know they like to pretend in Star Wars that Tatooine is like in the middle of nowhere, but clearly by the amount of times that they go there over and over again, it's a major, major <laughs> stop. So there's literally no reason at all why Republic credits wouldn't work or be used there. Spencer? I like that actually for world building because in contested countries, their money will change or it'll be double the value or it'll be complete. This money is completely worthless. This money is now worth something. I think that's interesting that on this planet that is established in the new hope is it's kind of lawless. Certain cities are even worse than others, but it's in general, it's, you know, crime lords are maybe the, the biggest ruling power. So you might want tax-free, hideable money for local use that you can hide under your bed or something. You might not want, we don't know exactly how Republic credits work, but mm. you know, maybe you want this lawless mm. money and it's mm, more valuable yeah. to you than something legit. That's my well, theory. You're not wrong, but I have a feeling if I went to like Somalia and I waved around like $500,000 of American cash, like someone's going to take me up on it. You know, maybe they got to launder it. Maybe they got to convert it into something else. But money is money. So for this businessman to be like, eh, your money's no good here. It's really bad. For me, that's really bad plotting just to set up this overly complicated scheme to enter a pod race, which is sort of like I just have written down overly complicated plotting because the mechanics of we, we meet this slave. He takes us home. He's got a pod. He's the only human that can do pod racing. He's working on a pod that Watto doesn't know about. Qui-Gon pretends it's his own pod. He stakes, he makes a bet with Watto for the part. Watto puts up the money to enter the race. And then Watto, if Watto wins, and then they're like, okay, but I, then I get your ship. I think that's actually introduced maybe at a later, I forget if that's the same scene or not. Mm -hmm. Then it includes, he wants to buy Anakin's freedom. They do a dice game. It's all too much. That could have been way simpler. There's way too much going on. Bad, bad, bad writing. Right, go ahead, Spender. I think the overall, I think it, I like it. I think it works with the script. If the overall theme, which was explained to me later through many reviewers and thinking about it, it's not obvious in the movie, but it's that the fall of a republic, a democracy, and it becoming a, you know, completely totalitarian, you know, empire, tyranny, its descent into tyranny. And within that, you can see, okay, 
you might think democracy is good, but then there's this law and taxation is this, there's taxation on trade routes. It's hard to move money here. It's hard to move money there. To Chris's point, to counter Chris's point, which I was, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> I've been waiting for us to get contentious. As a rural person, everybody's uncle somewhere, there is an uncle who's got an old busted down truck in the back that, oh yeah, I've been working on that for a long time. I just need da 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 da. So I don't think that's so far out of the imagination to say, ah, oh, it's just a bunch of junk back there, but it, you're secretly working on it. Fair. But Fair. The, over, the overall theme of, from the perspective of Padme, the Jedi's perspective of seeing Padme as a beacon of hope and kind of losing that hope and her beautiful Republic being turned to tyranny after it self-destructs because there's too much bureaucracy. I think that is a nice story, but there is too many little, little idiosyncrasies in there that kind of distract us from the real story. Yeah. Chris, mm -hmm. I, I would say I, I kind of agree with you as far as it being, um, uh, a very uh, uh, messy, the stuff going on in Tatooine. They could have, they definitely could have simplified it a little bit. Uh, Jar Jar being there, that is a wonderful point. Why in the world would you be like, you're just drawing your attention to yourself at that point when you're trying to, like you said, be undercover. So that that's a really great point. Uh, go ahead, Travis. And Jar Jar is supposed to be by water, like more often than not. <laughs> and it's a desert planet. <laughs> correct yeah that doesn't make sense either uh, uh let's see chris go ahead yeah i just i'm going to read this i saw this comment i don't want to dominate this point for too long but i thought i never really thought of this before um the idea of them having to hire another ship instead of just trying to get a part is also brilliant and simple and that the pilot of said ship could have been drumroll teenage anakin this is referring to instead of trying to get the part to fix the ship why don't you just mm. get rid of the ship or hire someone a la original Star Wars Millennium Falcon to fly you back to Coruscant. Then we would have had done away with tiny baby Anakin. We could have had teenage Anakin, who's a great pilot already at a young age. He's more age appropriate for Padme. He's still, you know, in the middle of nowhere. He's in a dead end job, but he's just working as a pilot for like a freighter or something much better than teenage Anakin. Um, I, I saw that as a comment. And I thought, wow, that's so much better than what George. Came so you're up with. saying you wish yeah. it was Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope with an identical story. Um, no, but it would have made more Young sense. Young teenage than, boy on the lamb. It would have made more sense than anything that just happened. And Luke wasn't. <laughs> Luke wasn't. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, well, you know, the, the cool thing about that, if that would have happened, is there's sort of like the uh, the continuity with episode four that people go to these these places in Tatooine to find transportation. So they would have carried out that theme throughout the, um, you know, the, the story. But um, let's see. Brian, do you got another, Brad? Yeah. Um, style wise, especially on Tatooine, it was it was all over the place. You had these. Creatures like Sabalba and um, uh, Watto. And then you have, you know, these characters walking around in the background who look like Daft Punk knockoffs, you know, and then also like the old style tattooing of like an old lady, you know, selling them stuff. 
It was just all over the place style wise. And it just felt really disconnected. Like, you know, the town didn't know what it was. And that's part of my issue with Mando right now with them introducing all the cybernetic stuff coming in. I don't want it to have this feel of, you know, it doesn't quite seem Star Wars at all. So. Yeah, we, we, we uh, at least maybe now we know where the Power Ranger biker gang came from. Now. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah, Spencer. <laughs> I, I agree with you that visually it was a little bit chaotic, but I know you don't like the cantina scene, but would you agree that the cantina scene is one of the most iconic and beloved scenes in all of Star Wars, even if you don't like it? which cantina scene are you talking about the cantina scene from a new hope when you're like yo there's this bat and then there's like greedo and then there's this dude with like a it looks like a that, butt i would say chin. that's the only like only good cantina scene i'm so i'm but, thinking of like it's episode, so iconic they want to make it again and again and again you shouldn't if you they did should. it right the yeah they shouldn't so yep. no, i, I think agree so. with that I, I would give it one more time. <laughs> yeah, I would give it one more time to, you know, throw a uh, cantina like episode um, uh, seven. Like that one in there was fine. But trying to recreate it for like eight was just not necessary. And upping the ante with like a gambling den or whatever. It's just like, why? So. Yeah, episode. Uh, we are not talking about the sequels, but okay. episode seven. When we get to episode seven, I have a big problem with that. The way that movie was built, that was basically episode four on steroids. They took everything from episode four, and I just did not like that. Um, yeah. Let's see here. Uh, any other bad guys? Also, Jar Jar Binks' life debt was one of the dumbest things ever. <laughs> like immediately, you pop up, run through he gets knocked down and is just like, yours just says my life. Thank you. I owe you one forever. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think he was just trying to freeload at that point. I pretty much. Where, yeah, 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 yeah. But just, <laughs> but then to allow him to come along and it's just like, oh yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Go ahead, Travis. It's almost like, do you put Jar Jar in the bad part or is it so bad that it's good that he's in this movie? Because <laughs> a lot of the quotes that people quote from Star Wars mm. are what Jar Jar says. That is true. That is true. It's yeah. just they uh, I don't like, know. Just yeah, he, he's also he's in my ugly, which is, yeah, just his. The cuts to just him, just like looking at his face and it's just like. Hmm? I don't know. <laughs> or like just like one like one line and that's it. And they cut away. And it's just like, what are we doing? My my problem is they made him like you can be clumsy, but they made him like too clumsy. Like yes. literally everything he did or touched was something and it blew up in his face. And it's like no one is that terrible at life, basically. <laughs> Like him being promoted to general, right? Or whatever he was like promoted <laughs> to, to be this like warrior. It's like, you don't yeah. have anywhere else where he wouldn't be a problem that you could promote him to. Like, you know, like Make him thinking the was... before the army. Yeah. Yeah. Or something, well, he would have screwed thinking, that up too. <laughs> yeah. He was like, they were like, oh, you're just going to go on the front line so we can get rid of you like right away. <laughs> okay. I think the best joke about that is that in the later movies, he became a politician. 
So I think if that's George Lucas's like political joke, I think it's hilarious. Yeah, that's a good this guy point. that can't do anything. He's like, I'm gonna make the laws now. Yeah. Very well, true. and then he and then he he gave the I was just actually watching episode two today, you know, for prep for the rewatch of that. And he get he's the reason why, you know, Palpatine got all that power. So the clone power. So mm. clumsy clumsy. Jar, okay. jar. So tired. Okay, I'll just talk about my last. This didn't age well in Star Wars. Bad force healing. Um, one of the biggest plot holes in Star Wars history that they even introduced it in any of the movies because the scene with Qui Gon Jinn. Obviously, that would have been a. Um, that's a huge plot hole now. That didn't age well because now when you go back in time, Obi Wan would have been able to heal Qui Gon. You know, like, I'm just, I don't, I don't get why you would do that. There's other examples, but you know, he was alive when Obi-Wan walked over there. So I don't know what to yeah. say. That was kind of ridiculous. Uh, go ahead, Spencer. Um, I think it's cool that individuals would have unique force abilities, which is like, it's like, this is his special ability. Or you could say, oh, Ray's special ability is, you know, healing. Okay. But to your point, this is kind of off topic because it's in later movies, but it's like healing and bringing back to life is kind of like a Sith power. So is Ray using a Sith power? And you could say, okay, Obi-Wan wouldn't have been trained in that power, but yeah, we don't yes, know. We've so, never seen anyone being trained for any force power except like anticipating. Yeah, so like... Um, Unless we have, correct me if I'm wrong. Well, Luke and meditating, but that's basically it lifting yeah. lifting yeah. yeah yeah um so here here's the problem so like i always go back to like yoda yoda is supposed to be the wisest jedi how he went to learn force hearing which again the force is the power that you tap into so theoretically anybody should be able to do any power that you tap into the force right so like think of any unique power in star wars especially in the movies or you know anything that's canon nobody uniquely has a power like even force choke, right? We all thought that was a Vader thing. No, Maul does it like in the, in the, in the canon. So, so lightning isn't unique. We saw Dooku do it, you know? So there's no power that actually is unique to an individual. They, they all can tap into it. So like the, the problem I have, like that, the reason why it doesn't age well is because someone like Yoda, who's been studying the force for 900 years, you think he would have tapped into healing or he would have figured it out or, you know, he would have been taught it or whatever the case may be. So that that's the problem I kind of have. And then if if you learned how to do that, wouldn't that be like one of the first things you teach your Jedi friends? Like, hey, this could come in handy, like during the Clone <laughs> Wars, like we could heal one another. How many Jedi would have been saved? You know, so it's just kind of a plot hole to me because there if you're if your argument is like, hey, Ray has this unique power. Well, then she's the only one that has this unique power that isn't given to anyone else and everybody else doesn't have a unique power then, you know, you understand what I'm saying? So that that's where it kind of falls flat for me. So anyway, to me, it didn't age well because now it just creates more plot holes. And, and as Brian and Travis and Chris all know, I'm a huge like everything needs to line up story wise. I don't like when there's huge plot holes within stories. It's got to harmonize. Otherwise, it, it bothers me too much. So anyway okay you guys ready to move on to the ugly then yeah oh you oh chris is not okay go yeah. ahead chris. Oh, there, there's some i'm gonna i'm gonna bump down to ugly i'll say for ugly um what's uh i have bad here um i'll just do some 
quick hitters here. Uh, the slavery makes really no sense. Um, but more importantly, why I know, I know the counter of this is going to be, they didn't want him to, they wanted to give up his attachments, but it's still completely baffling against any logical human reasoning that at some point, like the queen went, go, you know what? I'm going to go get, uh, that lady that was really nice to me, I'm going to go buy her freedom. You know, I'm not even saying she's got to go to Coruscant to live with Annie Pooh or whatever. It's just like, <laughs> let's go, let's go free this lady. You know, it's, it's insane. Um, so that's really bad. Um, that's a fair one, by the way. I like that one yeah. that nobody went back for her. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Uh, with the whole power of the Jedi council. Yeah. yeah. They obviously um, had wealth or something. Right. Yeah. True. Yeah, for sure. Um, the opening crawl, which you might laugh at, but <laughs> let's compare real quickly uh, the original Star Wars opening crawl. Uh, it is a period of civil war. Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil Galactic Empire. Pretty exciting, right? Episode one, turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. Hoping to resolve the matter with the blockade of deadly battleships, the Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to the small planet of Naboo. Okay. Uh, while the Congress of the Republic endlessly debates this alarming chain of events, yada, 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 um, could not be more boring of a setup. That's fair. That's fair. It's a lot of politics is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then just a couple other notes here. Uh, the final fight scene in Naboo when the queen and her guards are assaulting the uh, uh, castle or whatever. Why is the the handmaiden is still in like the ridiculous queen getup with like the full hair and everything? I never noticed that really up until <laughs> this time. But like, let's let her not have the 15 pounds of hair on top of her head while she's trying to like shoot guns. Um, there. She's got an image she's got to keep up. Yeah. Yeah. Why are we even still pretending she's a decoy at this point? Um, And then uh, when Anakin gets, I mean, whatever. First of all, he shouldn't even be on Naboo. Like, I know, I guess at this point, he's technically Qui-Gon's Padawan. So maybe that's why he's coming along for the ride. But like, let's leave the nine-year-old back with the Jedi when we're going back to the planet that's under under a war um that's so that's that's, just, that, that's dumb on its own thing but when he gets into the starfighter and turns it on which you know that's fine i don't mind that but then the autopilot flies him out into space out to the who programmed the autopilot why is there <laughs> autopilot it's a it's a ship why does it have autopilot <laughs> that makes no sense at all or and yeah then, Go ahead. Just real quick, or why yeah. would it autopilot to a, a battle they never were able to autopilot the ship to go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm with you. I'm with you. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, and this then R2 pod racing. <laughs> and then R2 is in the you know in control, and then he doesn't like turn off the autopilot. They're already like doing laps like around the ship, and they're getting like shot at. And then it's like, oh, I'll turn off the autopilot. Like R2 should have turned off the autopilot within like five seconds. Um, so more, more really bad writing there. Let's try um, spinning. 
<laughs> that works. That that stuff is like less less bad. I mean, it's bad writing, but that's less bad to me because it's like whatever. At this point, it's worn me down. The little kid is doing little kid stuff. <laughs> that's fair. That's fine. Yeah. But the I guess the machinations of him ending up like inside. I guess every time something needs to get blown up in Star Wars, we're just gonna fly inside the ship and blow it up. But whatever. Well, they got um, shields, so they that's why they got to do yeah. it. <laughs> so. Right. Um, I guess, like, the space battle was kind of an afterthought to me. Like, maybe you could have just... I know it was kind of just, like, it's a Star Wars movie. We need to have a space battle. But it's done, like, so briefly. That's my ugly, Chris. Okay. I'll, I'll let you have that then. I'll, I'll shut up about that. Um, and then my last bad is Yoda is telling obi-wan like you can't train the boy he's too dangerous but they seem to acknowledge that he's the chosen one so yoda's implying that they're gonna like cut him loose but like they know that he's like an extremely powerful force user so why you know that that doesn't really make any sense either that instead of like let's let's bring him into the fold he's like no not gonna happen i'm much i guess he he gives up after not too much pushback from Obi-Wan, but just the mere fact that at first they were like, we're going to cut him loose makes no sense at all. So, so that's, that's my bads. I'll save the rest of what I have for ugly. Oh boy. Oh boy. I do like, I, I think you, you, the, one of your best points though, uh, uh, is, is why Anakin was even going back with them to Naboo. That was a great point, Chris. I didn't even think of that. That's a really good point. Um, okay, so any other bad then before we can? Okay, let's get into oh, the idea. Sorry, sorry, I got one more. <laughs> no, real quickly, why the the battle droids? Why do they have like classes? Because they're like corporal, take care of them. Lieutenant, take care. They're all droids. They're all programmed. Like, does the lieutenant droid have like more programming than the like infantry droid? This Don't is all dare. very primitive technology, Chris. Yeah. Don't you dare diss my dis battle <laughs> <I'm sorry. right? laughs> They look cool. It's primitive technology. They're all controlled from one central location. As I'll we see in the later movies, they get more advanced, they get more silver, and they get more yep. buff, you know? Yeah, I'll take true. them over stormtroopers any day. Yeah. Fair. Well, they should be a hive mind. Battlestar Galactica did it right where they're all a hive mind, but I digress. Yeah, it's 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 hard because you know what I've noticed is like when you don't like a show or a movie, everything annoys us. Where like maybe if the it, it, the movie was better, like maybe that droid thing wouldn't bother you as much, you know, because like to me it was mm -hmm. just like something goofy for the kids, yeah. you know, like or whatever. Yeah. So it's not that big of a deal, but they, I totally get what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Travis, I'll I'll redeem myself here because my friends and I, you know, like I said, we had the action figures and we would love to just like they were really flexible so that you could like fold them into a ball and then do the scene where they're fighting the Gungans and they like come out of the ship and then they go like <laughs> and then the head comes over the top. We had a blast doing that. So <laughs> that was pretty that was a pretty cool scene. Okay, let's go to the ugly guys. You ready to go to the ugly? The ugly. <laughs> Ew. Uh, let's start with Brian. Brian, want to give us your ugly? Um. Oh, where to start? Um. CGI. Um. So, 
beginning of the movie when they're on the spacecraft. Um, I thought that was actually really good because you're getting back to the original Star Wars and it was very kind of that sense, that feel of it. But as soon as they touched down in Naboo, the CGI just was not. I know it's very early CGI, but like that scene that you have Qui-Gon Jinn running and then he gets up and, you know, Jar Jar, you can you can tell there's a screen right behind him and all that forestry is just fake. It's very prominent there. And then um, more of like the uh, Tatooine wasn't that bad. Um, it seemed like anything that had like lighter tones, the CGI was just very prominent. So anything that was really on Naboo, um, like with the blue sky, the like um, the droid like cruisers and stuff like that, it just it just they felt very fake. So I don't know. It kind of took me out of the movie. Um, I don't know. Maybe my TV is too good or something. That could be part of it. Technology has advanced to help us see yeah. those things that we probably didn't wouldn't see if we had a TV made back in 2005 or DVD yeah. instead it was of just, Blu-ray. It was unfortunate because original Star Wars trilogy, a lot of practicality was utilized on it, and you wish they would have done that with these. But I don't know. Everybody in the early 2000s was just gung-ho to like – you know, we can do whatever you want. Let's just throw it in there. And it just, it doesn't age well just because of what you could do is still limited. So. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Let's uh, go to Spencer. You got an ugly for us. Um, To go along with what Brian said, I think there were scenes like, obviously everyone mentioned the pod race. Like it looks great. Like I think the pod race is untouchably visual, but then other scenes, like you said, like Naboo is like, really weird or what actually my true ugly is the physical lighting on the actors who are not cgi it's almost Mm. like some things in cgi it's like okay that looks cool and then you see the actor and they're all like blown out with like weird light or the light is from the wrong source or something like it just looks really weird it's like they didn't use they were relying so heavily on the cgi that they didn't use practical lighting and practical like framing knowledge to make nice looking scenes obviously like chris said there's some cool you know like he he opens the door right before the final battle there's like obviously some great visuals but other times when there's a bunch of cgi characters or cgi elements in with the humans it just looks really fake because like you know the cgi is not that good and the lighting is really bad yeah. Interesting. I think George Lucas was so excited that he could finally do everything he wanted. Oh, I can finally yeah. fit like a thousand of these funny looking aliens in every single scene. And he did it and the results were mixed. Well, you can't win them all. It's funny because like, I don't notice that stuff. So when you talk about it, I don't know what to say. I'm like, I don't, I don't notice, notice it either. I don't notice it in a traditional movie, but you watch like my best example is like a Marvel movie. There's something about the Marvel movies where, okay, nobody get offended, but like the CGI is just off. It's not right. Like watch a CGI character in Jurassic Park and then watch a, a like Spider-Man swinging through a window with another character in a modern like Spider-Man movie. There's just something that's not perfectly on. It's like your brain recognizes the uncanny valley and I think that that's what happens. But tech, you, usually I don't notice lighting or anything like that. Like if it looks good, it looks good. But that's fair. 
Uh, Travis, you got ugly for us? Well, Chris kind of touched on it, but mine was just a spaceship scene at the end. It wasn't as uh, climactic as what I was hoping it would have been. Um, even, even like in uh, episode four, you have like red and gold leader and all this stuff. They like, they have some of those people in this, but they are only there to say, Hey, what's our ship doing over there? And that's basically <laughs> about it. They hardly mm -hmm. do anything. Yeah. Also mm -hmm. in the opening scene when they're not in the opening scene, but the start of that fight scene, it's like, I forget what the, what are the, uh, trade federation spaceships called is it vulture droids or is it something else that sounds right i think that's right yeah there's like five thousand of them and then there's like 35 naboo star fighters <laughs> basically <laughs> so it seems a little unfair but anyways then mm. it's just anakin not even really knowing what he's doing randomly yeah. flies into this area inside the ship Oh no, my engines are overheated. I got to cool everything down. And then he's just shooting at droids and he ends up blowing up the ship. So it's like everything is by chance in that part, but it yeah. really wasn't as great as what I was hoping to be. So is it chance or is it the will of the force? Metachlorians, maybe. Yeah, yeah that's right, Spencer. <laughs> it seems. Yeah, to your point, it seems like they're almost using the Gungans as a diversion. Like they're obviously sacrificing themselves, willing to battle, and can make a damp make a dent. But the focus is that they destroy the ship, and then that'll destroy the robots or the droids. But if that's the focus, why do they have all these like mid-tier pilots? You know, there's not like an ace pilot like there usually is in all the other Star Wars. It's kind of like this kid who kind of bumbles in on accident, and like saves the day. It's like who who was their back like who was their number one? Yeah. What was the A plan? Yeah, if Anakin didn't do anything, they would have like they would have lost. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. And Anakin didn't even know what he was doing either. Exactly. No, yeah. R2 did it all. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Chris, what's your first ugly? Uh my first ugly is Jar Jar. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's truly like the most book it most ill-conceived poorly executed poorly made character like possibly movie history everything like it's it's a cliche to bang on jar jar but like it really can't be overstated enough like how bad he is um i was screaming for mercy every jar jar scene every line um every there's many attempts there's like scenes where they have like a serious conversation or there should be like pathos and then he undercuts it with like Jar Jar just like goofing around or bumbling around in the background like you know the are you an angel scene like it's not a very good scene but at least it's like trying to do something or like set up something and then it ends with Jar Jar like you know bumbling around with the droids or whatever and it's like let's just let i mean i know it's kind of not too dissimilar from my complaints with a lot of like the humor in marvel movies where they have like an interesting scene and then it's like we got to have a joke at the end we got to keep it light we got to have a joke and this is kind of like the same thing it's like we have a normal scene and it's like oh jar jar is going to make a funny at the end so the kids don't get bored um there's two, within like 10 minutes, there's two, I shouldn't say that, maybe a little longer than that, but there's two poop jokes with Jar Jar. 
um, when he walks into walks into the city and he steps in a pile of poop and he goes icky icky goo <laughs> and then he's setting up the pod you racer you didn't like that Chris? no I did not <laughs> he's, they're setting up the pod racer and the really gross looking flesh monster or horse whatever uh, farts in his face um, oh, I, was just, I was screaming it was so bad that, so, that is one thing, Chris, that I noticed when I rewatched it is the amount of humor. I didn't realize mm-hmm. like how much it was. Like I think Travis, yeah. I think yeah. you were the one that mentioned it. Like it, it went over the top a lot. Like it was, yeah, it was it fine to have. Yeah, it's fine to have a co- comedic relief, especially you know, like it's a kids' movie or whatever. But mm-hmm. it, it's also like not good when you're undermining your own scenes constantly. So yeah, I I, I agree with that for sure um let's see my first ugly i'm gonna say any scene with anakin and padme was just cringe all the way like uh i like anytime they talked i was like oh my god this is awful i can't believe they're doing this um the age gap is there and then just like we'll talk about this when we do the episode two rewatch just like how they fell in love with each other when they knew each other only for like five days or 10 days or whatever it was. And then like, they don't see each other for 10 years, but they're like still obsessed with each other. I just don't get that because like, you know, as a nine-year-old you have a crush. Right. But like 10 years later, that's, that's gone. Like it's gone. It's not there anymore. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know any scene with Anakin and Padme, you can pick it. I just did not. I thought the dialogue was awful and their interaction was awful. Go ahead, Chris. I didn't realize how much, um, there's kind of a like weird shifts in tone with this where she's like really nice to Padme. And then she's like complaining to Qui-Gon, like you shouldn't be doing this with this kid. Why are Mm -hmm. we putting our hopes on this kid? And like, she's complaining about him the whole time. I never really, I didn't really remember that from when I was younger that there's that kind of like, I don't know if it's a reshoot thing or what, but there's weird shifts in her attitude toward him. You've never won a race. You've never even finished. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Exactly. No. Yeah. <laughs> women don't have mood swings okay chris <laughs> that doesn't happen okay um let's see here any other uglies we'll just open go ahead spencer oh i have uh another ugly with uh i mean it kind of goes along with everyone what everyone said jar jar it's like i want to like him because he's so unbelievably hated and i think his the picture of his face is just funny because he's like oh he's so nonchalant goofy you want to like him but it's like he's really unlikable Mm -hmm. and i think historically like george lucas has stated that he was inspired by hidden fortress akira kurosawa's movie where there's two like bumbling kind of like peasant characters who kind of give you the perspective of the viewer and although they're stupid and fumbling through and only want money and they're stupid they give you a perspective of almost the audience like what everyone's thinking like when someone's talking high and mighty they're like well why don't we why don't we just smash and grab or something but instead of being goofy and a salt of the earth type and putting some sort of mental clarity and some sort of like gems of knowledge there's just nothing he's just Mm -hmm. absolutely a bumbling fool the entire time from beginning to end yeah no you're mm-hmm. you're not wrong you're not yeah, wrong yeah. yeah and that's sad 
But like uh, Travis said, um, he he's so bad that he's good at some point where we're all quoting him and making fun yeah. of him. He's he's yeah iconic. Uh, go ahead, Chris. Do you does anyone know? Uh, I found this out today doing some research. Do you know who that who originally wanted to play Jar Jar? Mm-hmm. Any any guesses? Brad Pitt. Oh, I wish it was Brad Pitt. <laughs> no, Michael Jackson. <laughs> and George Lucas decided that he was too famous and that he would overshadow the movie by having Michael Jackson in it. That would have been insane. Oh, yeah. Did didn't Michael Jackson play um Scarecrow in um yeah oh, what movie? Okay, that's basically that. Yeah, yeah, that's basically yeah. him doing that, and it's like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah. I would say I I think the Gungan race is one of the worst in Star Wars. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. I, I have them as an ugly as well. They're just yeah. annoying. Same. Yeah, I I could not stun stand the Gungans. You guys, uh, you didn't even like that one. There was one I remember in my mind, like hating everyone, even Boss Nass is kind of annoying. But there's one general who has like kind of a mustache. Yeah, Captain Tuckles. Did you like him? He's probably the best one out of all of them. The guy I thought it was kind of cool, especially this watch. I'm like, yo, there's one that's kind of cool. Spencer, <laughs> it's relative though, right? Like you're comparing him yeah. to the other Gungans. So you're like, oh, actually yeah. that guy's cool. Yeah, but if he would exactly. just be on his own, he probably wouldn't yeah. be that cool. Maybe. But you finally get some sort of like glimpse into, okay, this is like an actual culture. It's not just like, yeah, it's like this is, that. you know, Jar Jar is kind of the village idiot. And there's like some sort of, you know, logic going on here. It's fair. Yeah, but then uh, when the the droids are starting to, uh, I forget if it's when they're attacking or if they're kind of like overwhelming the Gungans, Captain Tarples turns to Jar Jar and says, and I quote, ouch time. <laughs> it's colloquialism. Go ahead, Travis. You know, at least the, what the Gungans do bring is they do have a sweet setup with their whole army. So they bring in this giant shield which goes off of other, um, I don't I know. I did like what, that. Whatever those I, I do are think called. that was a cool visual. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that I was completely on that. Yeah, that was cool to see. And then instead of a, a blaster, they have little electro whatever balls. I think what they called. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, I, it was something unique at least. But yeah, they kind of are an annoying race. Hmm. Any other uglies, guys? Um, I Go had mid. I had yeah. I had midichlorians. Obviously, we talked about that already. Just I something that wasn't necessarily needed to explain, but was put in there. And then um, there's just too much politics in meetings in the movie, especially for like if it's supposed to be a quote unquote kids movie, like the. I don't know. It's it's really convoluted. The whole Senate meetings and stuff. It gives you a glimpse of like what the um, what kind of like they're going through right now, especially with the Jedi. But it's still it it was it wasn't in there enough to really get a substantial like feel for how everything was. It felt like so. Yeah, I would agree. Too much politics. I understand why they needed to do like because obviously yeah. they're trying to show how this republic falls right so they they have to have politics in there but I, i'm with you it's just a lot a lot of politics yeah. in and and like you said if this isn't really a movie for kids it's like well that's not the demographic 
that really likes to hear a bunch of people talking about taxation. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Travis. Oh, you weren't raising your hand. I'm sorry. You were itching your head. Yeah. My, my, my fault. My fault. Uh, anything else? Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, that was my last real ugly. Same thing with Brian said. Um, that's that's the scene where I I mentioned it briefly right at the top. The uh, twofer of uh, Palpatine talking to the Queen in like the red room on Coruscant, then into the Senate chamber scene, and there's just this really bad political jargon. That's been my least favorite scene of the whole movie. When I was a kid, it was like completely over my head what was going on. Yeah. Um, and it's just a really, it's a, it's a brutal 10 minute stretch. Very, very boring. Uh, very badly written. Uh, a waste of Terrence Stamp. I didn't realize uh, Terrence Stamp when I was a kid who he was, but he's a good was, actor. He, was that the Supreme um, Chancellor? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. AKA General Zod from Superman 2. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so he can go like big and over the top, but he's just got a very, which, you know, small part, that's fine, but he's just kind of like a downer, mopey guy. They didn't get Terrence Stamp anything to do. But, yeah, the, the politics, taxation, trade routes, Senate debates. Um, my other – my last quote I have, I texted this to Brian earlier today. Or, no, I'm sorry. I uh, I don't have it written down. I I think I said it. Either way, I'm sorry. There's a there's a really bad uh, line. Okay, I digress. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. politics, yeah. politics, taxation, Senate debates, really boring for a kid's action movie. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll hit on my last ugly. That's Darth Maul dying at the end. He was such a cool character. I understand, like, you know, whatever, but I would have loved for him to be in the first three movies and then move on to Darth Vader. Like, wouldn't have been so cool to see like Anakin fight Darth Maul instead of Count Dooku at that, you know, in the, in the trade Federation ship or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, or the capital ship. But anyway, that didn't happen, but I, killing off Darth Maul, I think you mentioned it, Brian. Um, yeah. That, that's just not, not, not a good business decision because everybody loved him. So yeah, everybody was looking forward to him. And I mean, if he would have continued in the franchise, that would have been huge. I feel like that would have shifted things a lot more for future of what the films are. Yep. I agree. Okay. We good then? Go ahead. I got one more. Okay. I got one more ugly. The Jedi council, just dry and boring. And the whole thing with ignoring Qui-Gon was just like, what are we doing here, guys? They are acknowledging that he's the chosen one, but yet they don't want anything to do with them and just making up these really lame excuses, as well as, like, are we supposed to believe that within, you know, 30 years or so, like, Master Yoda just, like, became senile and lost his mind? (laughs) He's, like, completely different. Yeah, I thought totally... Uh, Yoda was really different than the ones we get later. Even if he was faking senile or something, it's like his whole character seemed different. Yeah, it, yeah, it was just I don't remember him being like this. And rewatching, I'm like, oh, this is completely weird now. So yeah, and they CGI'd him for the mm-hmm. the Disney Plus stream version. Did a lot of like glossing over the edges, which is probably why I like the CGI more. <laughs> but I definitely <laughs> didn't like Yoda being CGI. I didn't really like his pros- his. Uh, puppet either in the or when i originally saw it but yeah i agree with brian that it, 
Yoda was totally very different. Go ahead, Travis. Yeah, Brian, I agree with that. It's you almost like kind of hate the Jedi Council yeah. in this uh, episode because they're so bland and they're so anti. They have like no support, basically, is in what they talk about. So, granted, yeah. only like three of them speak, but they've got what like 15 people there and then yeah they're completely ignorant of anything with the sith and you know we're gonna find this out and find out who the person is but yeah years then go by without them knowing anything so yeah well it's interesting because um so i watched episode two like i mentioned before Mm -hmm. and one thing yoda said i think it was an episode two anywhere he talked about how even the jedi have become arrogant Mm -hmm. and i think Mm -hmm. that's what they were doing with the Jedi Order. I think you were meant to hate them because I think they're they're at this point. They've been, you know, ten thousand years or whatever. They've been just on top, and they're so arrogant that they can't see their own flaws. And at this point, why do they? Why would they need the chosen one? Mm. Right. So, like at this, they don't know there's Sith. <laughs> at the point when Anakin comes in, they just know this. there's this person fighting with a lightsaber, but they don't know there's Sith. So why why would they be like, well, why would we need the Chosen One? We're on top right now. So I, I can kind of see why George would make them that way. I agree, they're arrogant, but they're meant to be. That That's what they're yeah. supposed to be. It's at just, that point. it's very weird introducing the Jedi Order and then having them just as these arrogant people that we've got no like, okay, why are we supposed to like these guys? They're not really likable at all, yet they're supposed to be the ones who you're fighting, you know, the good guys you want to be rooting for. So, yeah. You also have – go ahead, Spencer. No, I like it from the perspective of that reviewer who I said I had to do research to find out, but that it's the perspective of this is the overarching story of a nice republic or democracy turning to tyranny, and every single part is – you know, arrogant, bloated, and ready to be destroyed. But in all the great Star Wars movies, there's a Jedi like Qui-Gon, who mm-hmm. is good, good motivations, but doesn't always follow the rules, kind of pushes yeah. boundaries, kind of an outlaw. You know, Obi-Wan is like that later on. He doesn't always follow the rules, even when he's old. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's a good counterpoint to how like staunch and orthodox the Jedi order is, but at the same time, it's like, why do they have to be like that? What can't they be like noble, you know, especially musketeers or something. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, we've, we've never been introduced to them before. So it's, yeah, it's just a little strange, but yeah, I see that point. Yeah. I I agree with Brian. Yeah, no. And that's, that's a great point with what Brian made. It's like, so you, you realize there's going to be 10 years between episode one and episode two. So why not, introduce them in more of a positive light in episode one and then we could see how they change in episode two so to speak yeah because you've got anakin getting trained so he gets to see the inner workings of what's going on there so it's yeah Hmm. yeah go ahead chris the red letter media review also points out why um when they go back to naboo they just send qui-gon and obi-wan why don't they send like a whole force Pull up Jedi to like mop up this trade federation business. <laughs> you know, yeah. if there's a whole be... universe to look after. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. Oh, gilded you're, tower. You're, you're Another right, thing but... 
another thing I thought about, <laughs> I forgot to write it down was, so, you know, in Clone Wars and every, all other Star Wars stuff, like the Jedi are not supposed to get like wrapped into whatever. They're supposed to be like a neutral party unless there's Sith involved and stuff. But yet when it comes to they're fighting for Padme and Naboo and all of this stuff, like why are they not just like, you know, letting the Senate handle it, you know, obviously. And I don't know. I, th- I thought that was weird when I was watching it. That's a whole nother thing, Brian, <laughs> that we'll get into in the other movies. Okay. <laughs> well, well, so they're supposed to be peacekeepers, right? Yeah. That, that's what he said. So like, basically if something's going wrong with the Republic, they would be sent there to try to maintain the peace. And like you said, probably not pick a side, but obviously mm-hmm in any conflict, there's probably a right and a wrong, right? Like it's not okay to make a blockade, a perceived blockade around a planet. That's not okay. So we got to go fix this problem. Um, But you watch them slowly, like break that rule too, throughout the the prequel trilogies is like, they eventually become warriors, you know, because they they get too involved in all that. So, yeah. But but I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong. They should have probably sent like 17 Jedi, but probably because they're like they're they're probably they're like, hey, we're not warriors. We're just here to keep the peace. Just send two to protect the queen and then we'll be good or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. okay, guys, are we good on ugly then? Are we good? Okay, so let's let's see if we can get done in like five minutes. So everyone pick 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 one change that you would like to see um, and then we'll we'll rate rate and um give a the the movie a rating um so let's start with uh chris on this one what was one change you'd like to see in this movie uh older anakin yeah just would make more sense yeah more sense for the over, overall plot of the whole trilogy i mean i think this could be done away with an episode two could be episode one but if we have to have an episode this be episode one that would be my change okay I like I, I really like that one. Uh, Spencer, what's the change that you'd have? Uh, historically, like on Empire Strikes Back, Lucas worked with Irvin Kirshner and it was contentious, but I think they brought out the best of each other. I think if Lucas would have worked with a collaborator, writing, directing, editing, everything, they could have brought to his attention like, yeah, I think there's too many poop jokes in here. And they could have gotten a lot better results instead of just having what many people allege is like a bunch of yes men around Lucas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, just real quickly, I didn't know this up until today. Um, ben Burt was the editor of this movie and it, Ben Burt is the one, he's the uh, sound designer. So he's the one to, that is responsible for all the great things that's talked about the sound design of the whole entire star wars universe so ben bird is like basically a genius but if you look at his credits um the only thing he had done editing before on was i don't know if he did the whole series or just individual episodes of the young indiana jones chronicles and then he did three star wars prequels and then he's just back to doing sound design for the rest of his career so that's really weird because like editing is like a thing you go to like to school to like to learn how to like cut scenes. Um, so why I don't know if it was like he's a Lucas yes man like Spencer said or what, but like he's that's not his normal job. And maybe a professional editor would have cut out the poop jokes 
and tighten some things up. So I just thought that was really interesting to learn that. Well, thanks for that interesting nugget. And I do like that one. It's, it's like, it's somebody that would have challenged his writing, especially would have been great. Uh, Brian, yeah. what do you got for us? Um, so what if, what if Lord Sidious was Anakin's father? Hmm. I would change that. Yeah, but if if that would play out, then you would have a Luke slash Vader scenario happening with Anakin, making it easier for him to come to the dark side and link that in. But also you'd have Ray being related to Ben Solo as well. And you wouldn't have this whole love connection going on. So I was going to say that would make that kiss really (laughs) awkward is what that would do. (laughs) Hey, we already had an awkward kiss. And (laughs) it's just coming full circle. That's fair. Mm. I'd have to really think about that because uh, it it would change a lot because technically then wouldn't Palpatine be Luke's grandfather? Yeah. So then, like, you have to kill your grandfather, but try to save your father. Mm-hmm. And then the father would have to kill the grandfather, his father. Mm-hmm. That would be like... It would well, back because it's just the same person reincarnated a million times. Or what right? if what if uh, right. Palpatine was, uh, was Anakin's father? But they're the same. Palpatine is Sidious. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah, that's what I was well, saying. Sorry, I thought you were... Right saying something else all right yeah so yeah i yeah yeah, yeah no, okay. it's, it's interesting okay. because like the granddad would be after the grandson the grandson was supposed to take the father's plates who's the grandfather's actual son and then you'd have to get the son of the grandfather to kill the yes dad, and you'd have sidious still yeah. wanting to rule on top but just switching out his impressions yeah and keeping yeah. himself alive so yeah that's that's what we call a greek tragedy right there hey, right? exactly <laughs> travis you got a change for us well then we would have had to have another uh anakin i am your father moment in mm. the trilogy yeah. but anyways um mine would be i didn't even really talk about it but ryan you did basically how darth maul dies that whole ending i think they could have made that a little bit more interesting instead of him uh slashing the ground getting some hot sparks on his fingers and then uh him jumping over him i think they could have extended that like another minute or two like he could have jumped over him they could have fought again and then he still could have got sliced in half but they could have made it a little bit more interesting but yeah yeah i agree with that and my mine is obvious, like keep Darth Maul around. That's what I would have done. I wouldn't even, you know, maybe wouldn't have cut him in half. I would have kept him around. I'm 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 grateful they brought him back, like for the Clone Wars and stuff like that. But it's just like you you had like this gold nugget in your hand for like advertising purposes and all this stuff, and you just let it slip because for whatever reason. So kids love Count Dooku is so much more marketable to kids. <laughs> senior citizen than Darth Maul. <laughs> okay. Let's go around. Give give this movie a rating. So we do out of 10 here. So if you don't do out of 10, I will make fun of you for that. So try to do it out of 10. Uh, I'll just mention that I, IMDB has a 6.5. Rotten Tomato 52%. And uh, that's sort of the consensus of most people. So um Spencer, why don't you give us your rating of Star Wars The Phantom Menace? 
well, you were wrong about one thing. Negotiations weren't short. <laughs> but, but I'll give this a rating of 8.5. Love it. I gave it five stars on Letterboxd. Love this movie, even with the flaws. Okay. Okay. Uh, Brian? <laughs> I'm going to give this bad boy a 5.3. Okay. 5.3. Travis? I'm going to give it an 8. I like it as well. Oh, man. Really? Okay. Uh, Chris? 3.5. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. I thought I was going to be like high. I, I had it at like a 6, and it's because it's a rewatchability oh. for me. Like, I was like, oh, you know, it's a it's not a great movie, but I can rewatch it anytime just because that's brings back memories and all the cool scenes, iconic uh, fight scenes. But, yeah, I have it at a 6. Um, if if it if I take the rewatchability out of it, I'd probably be a little lower. But um, mm. I'm gonna go with six. Yeah. Okay, guys, that's all I got. Any anything else before we move on and end the podcast? No. Okay. Um, will Will you de- delay your complaint so that the Senate can form a committee to investigate the allegations of low scoring? I, I vote for no contest. I can't just called? sit around here. <laughs> Well, my beautiful movie is getting slaughtered while you discuss it in a committee. Well, you and Travis are on the same page. I think me and Brian are close, and Chris are uh, is like no thanks. There was too many times where I literally just like screamed out loud. It was too painful what was happening. So Chris hates everything. It's true. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Well, you're. I'm gonna probably surprise you with my Attack of the Clones rating. So. Which is a nice tease because we will be doing a rewatch in the very near future. The great, the good, the bad, the ugly with Attack of the Clones next. Um, so thanks, everybody, for joining me. Thanks, Spencer. Hope you enjoyed your first time on the podcast. Thanks, Travis. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Chris. As always, we'll see you later this week, Brian. And for everybody yeah. else listening, thanks so much for listening. Um, if you haven't yet, please follow me on Instagram at nuttybuddy underscore entertainment. That's where I show when I drop podcasts. And also check out a, our YouTube channel. I drop clips of each podcast. And that's all I got for you. Uh, we, well, thanks a lot for listening. And we'll talk to you guys soon.